The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I assure you this is the first time I've had to say that tonight. Uh, my name is Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Notes Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And those sound effects that you have just heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, bro? <laughs> no! Sleep! Brooklyn! Yes, uh, and uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You're going to find this podcast on your podcast preserved place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Um... You could also find us recording normally each and every Thursday, well, Thursday with exceptions like this week's, on uh, the YouTube channel of the Click Nation and uh, twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and hit the notification button, please. Indeed, and of course, normally that would be on 9.30-ish p.m.s, but we are not recording on Sunday night tonight because we had moving protocol and Agent underscore 70 has gone to see the uh, the highly anticipated uh, movie Spider-Man No Way Home, and he's now going to give us some quick, uh, spoiler-free impressions on said movie. Yeah, seriously. Uh, you know, it was... Uh, definitely a spectacle to watch. It was pretty wild. And without spoiling it, I will say that it is uh, some of the, I would say some of the comparisons, at least in terms of the buildup and the expectations uh, in comparison to Endgame are deserved, but probably not accurate. You know, there are some obvious similarities, but very glaring differences between the two movies. But if you are a fan of Spider-Man, especially the cinematic versions of Spider-Man, I think you will enjoy this movie very much. Uh, And even if you're not, there are several redeeming uh, qualities in this movie that will... uh, possibly uh sway your uh, judgment on some of those characters um 
again, I'm trying to stay very much spoiler free. I think what I would say is, and hopefully this doesn't crash anybody's computer or get us censored. Uh, <laughs> it is a somewhat long movie. Please be prepared prior to going into the movie. Uh, please go to the bathroom ahead of time or try not to drink too much because uh, both I had uh, two friends, one on either side of me have to take bathroom breaks and act and actually mention it very loudly to us as a group saying, I have to go to the bathroom followed by several expletives and the rest of us saying, Oh no. <laughs> so, and, and, and trying to, to, to figure out a good time or try to encourage going to the bathroom when it seemed like it might be a good time to go. So all in all, it is definitely a fun ride. It is a wild ride. You're going to want to want to watch for several Easter eggs, several references, several jokes, and several pretty serious character scenes and character moments. Um, and while it's never an opportune thing, it's never opportune to, you know, there's never an opportune time to go to the bathroom during a movie that is, uh, in this case, moving along at a pretty rapid clip. Um, you know, sometimes you have to go, but I would suggest that you go before going into the movie so you can sit through and watch like I did. So that's pretty much my spoiler free review of Spider-Man No Way Home. Please go watch it. And if you have watched it already, please be kind and do not spoil the movie for anyone. Um, I was in a pretty loud Starbucks today uh, chatting about the movie with some friends, and we definitely did our best to not speak too loudly, you know, through our masks. So, uh, uh, we, you know, so we did our best to not spoil the movie for anyone nearby that didn't necessarily want to be spoiled. Indeed. And I guess, and worth noting, uh, for, for, for those who may be watching this, who may not keep up with the, the way Marvel movies goes, um, two post two uh, post, uh, incorrect scenes or two incorrect scenes. Yes. Yes. Stay through the very end of the movie. Yes. Which you would think should be um, 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 uh, normal by now, but right. it's it not. Would, you'd think it was de rigueur, but then exactly. again, there's the bathroom thing. Yeah, there was that also. But and there's also people that are just like, "Fuck, I just want the movie. I don't care about the rest of whatever, whatever." You know, because like I, said, right. I saw that in Eternals, people walked out right after when the credits started going. So right, some people. What it is that some people expect to see that online. That's what it is. They expect yeah. to see it leaked online, so they don't. They don't. They 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 choose not to stay longer. I suppose they. I've they're heard that. To that. Yeah, I, that's actually. Yeah. Like, yeah, that makes. That still doesn't make sense, but still, that's more sense than probably necessary, mm-hmm. I guess. And, uh, and in any case, that is that. Hopefully, one uh, soon I will be able to watch it, and then we can have a little bit go into it a little bit more, which is probably for the best. Because, like I said, you know, it just came out this week past weekend, and therefore, you know, people are still haven't had a chance to see it, even as we're recording on the Sunday night. So, uh, you know, like Agent Seventy said, kind of be be kind, be, be you know, be be also careful if you haven't seen it yet. Right. Uh, that being the case, I'm looking forward to seeing it. But we're going to move on to um, our recap that is probably going to be slightly spoilerish um, uh, of uh, Hawkeye episode five. 
Bro, I'm going to ring the spoiler bell because we are going to touch on spoilers for Hawkeye Episode 5, which aired this past week. And we are hurtling, literally hurtling towards the finale of this Hawkeye series coming in just a scant three days this upcoming Wednesday. So I'm going to ring the spoiler bell for Hawkeye, our discussion on Hawkeye Episode 5 in 3, 2, 1. Spoilers incoming! So yes. Um Wait, do we even Yeah. Bro. Oh, here we bro. Go. The blip, bro. Yes. Uh so this episode uh, episode 5 is called Ronin, which you would think given the last couple of episodes would have been called the last couple of episodes, but we're not, you know, don't, don't worry about that. Keep on going. Uh we start off with a flashback to one Yelena Belova. Um, <laughs> from girl, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get to that part. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, if you, you luckily we weren't not we we're not recording prior to uh starting the uh starting the um starting the 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 stream. Yeah, we have an off the record conversation about yes. this particular scene. Indeed, uh, in this particular person, most specifically. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So it's a cut back to uh, 2018, um, um, and uh, basically after uh, the Black Panther, uh, Black Panther, Black Widow's movie. Excuse me. So if you've seen the Black Widow movie, you kind of know what happens there. Uh, if you haven't, then this is going to be spoiled a little bit for that. Also. Um, but uh, at, at the end of that movie, uh, Yelena's basically tasked with um, with freeing the rest of the the, the uh, ladies under the control of the whatever widow programs. Um, 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 subjugation, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, protocols. Uh, and so yelena and this other uh widow was going around to going to this uh to this one very nice house uh thinking to free another person who apparently did not need to be freed because they were uh i guess already freed i assumed yeah they were there of their own free will they weren't under any sort of uh black widow conditioning right so um uh and cut real quick to uh some talk between them as a reference to sex and city um and also at the same time so this is like the after the events of black widow which means that blah uh natasha herself was pretty much going headlong into civil uh not civil or after civil war wait yes she's basically freeing uh freeing cap and them wait no that's anyway she was going to help cap and them at, at the time we do know that so it was kind of around that part around around that time um but uh, Yelena goes to the bathroom. She gets blipped, <laughs> and we get to see this right off, right off, the, uh, right out of, or as she's uh, washing her hands or whatever the case may be. And right. the world around her kind of changes as she comes back into folk, uh, come back into uh, five years later. Right. Uh, so this is the just just hold on to that thought. This is the second time we've seen this happen to a character mm -hmm. during the Disney Plus television show era. Mm -hmm. You know, the first time being uh, Monica Rambeau. And, you know, it was an interesting twist on that because the because what happens to Monica, is, you know, she's basically staying in place. Uh -huh. And in this case, we actually see Yelena doing something and immediately getting interrupted while doing it because she's subject to the blimp. And this answers a question that a lot of us had at the end of Black Widow. 
Yes. Yeah. Whether Especially got... during the end credit scene. Exactly. Yeah, like where was she all the um, all that time? Right. Uh, right. And and, and, and ultimately, right. Ultimately, this phase of the MCU is still going to be dealing with the aftermath of the blip for some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure that some 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 other instances will probably be some um, some other characters introduced or by way of the blip or something. Right. You know, and I I I I, I sympathize with some people who complain that yes we we've we know about the blip it's the blip the blip the blip the blip it's it's going to be i think it's going to be a very uh uh catalytic force uh in the mcu for stories you know for a long time to come still true uh, that is. So true. I'm sorry to interrupt. You know, I, uh, I hope no, no. you still have. Uh, you know, you're going through uh, some somewhat of a chronology, yeah. a chronological uh, summary. So go yeah, ahead. Yeah, and I'm still trying to keep it brief. But that part, that part is slightly important for some stuff uh, later on. Uh, in, in a in a way, but actually, that's kind of one of the important things. Because like I said, that was kind of one of the things on my mind. You know, regardless, um, we cut to. Uh, Kate Bishop going home to her mom, being bruised, a beat, uh, bru- you know, kind of bruised after the events of the last uh, episode with, you know, uh, Clint and Yelena and um, Maya. Uh, and she's obviously, you know, uh, kind of beaten down. And um, her mom, Eleanor, kind of con- tries to console her in probably the best way she knows how, <laughs> just knowing, knowing Eleanor, but um, we, and who we still don't know the full thing on, but we do know it's done the end the events of this uh, thing. She's into some bad stuff, which we kind of knew. Um, so, you know, Kate lets her know, Kate lets her mom know that her, her, her partnership with Clinton's done. And she's, you know, and they talk and this is, like I said, you know, mom tries to console her. Um, she tells her mom about uh, Jack Duquesne uh, that, you know, uh, that what we find out from the, uh, the last episode about him being uh, the CEO of this one com- shell company and possibly uh, in line with the track suits. Uh, Eleanor says she's going to look into it. Um, and then we come to find out that, uh, I guess a little bit later on that, um, this part I'm still kind of cu- curious about, uh, Eleanor calls the cops who we've seen, uh, a couple of cops who we've seen in, uh, in, in the show and presumably Jack is arrested, but we don't necessarily know if that's like a real, real thing or uh, more likely a front. <laughs> yeah yeah i definitely feel that i definitely do that doesn't seem like everything is on the up and up in that particular uh scene mm-hmm. or there's something more there's definitely something more to that particular scene i think so but uh but yeah so so basically you know uh, uh i think you mentioned this although i was zoning out just a touch that uh that 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 uh that kate talks about this um shell company mm-hmm. and uh that particular shell company may come back in the next you know in the last episode we'll see how that relates to the other characters meanwhile kazi and maya are cleaning themselves up too mm-hmm. and uh kazi's tending to maya you know to, to to an injury maya suffered and again uh you know kazi's trying to get her to to get off this whole you know get ronin uh, hunt, but um, you know, at the end of the day, 
uh, you know, Maya does win out and uh, they, they're trying to uh, move forward with the, the Ronin hunt. Yeah, he relents because I think because it seemed like there's some feelings there, but as we will come to find out later on, not everything is right in that relationship either. Um, so cut back to Kate Bishop going back to her old apartment, which was burnt down. I thought for for like thirty seconds, I thought it got fixed, but apparently not. Because um, she was she was walking in and was like, yeah, there was some stuff kind of scattered around the ground, but I figured that was just the place. She gets um, uh, so Yelena Belova pops in. For a little chat. <laughs> well, she's already, what, what she discovers well, yeah. is that Yelena's broken in. Right. Well, I kind of wonder because it was like that window was broken the other episode. I don't know. It was if open. It was, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if it was like, well, she, we know that's the way she got out. So assuming, assumably that's the same broke, the same broken window, but you're probably also, also right. Also, like mm-hmm. it was already broken. So maybe it was broken a little bit more. So she get in since mm-hmm. it was already burnt out. So anyway, they talk, uh, Yelena Belova still one probably one of my uh, or at least this iteration of uh well yeah MCU uh Yelena Belova probably one of my uh top 3 favorite characters so far we can go to, without going too far any uh uh but uh go far anyway uh Listen, they, Florence Pugh plays her so well and it yes. seems like she's having fun yes. playing her and it is evident but let's not forget Roddy Cat what it is they are having their conversation over. Yes, macaroni. Um, no, it's uh, boxed macaroni and cheese. Yes. Did you know it's delicious? Yes, because as we found out in Black, the beginning of the Black Widow, that is uh, one of Yelena's favorite dishes. Um, and apparently sriracha sauce, because holy hell, she kind of <laughs> she kind of goes through a bottle. Sort of. But anyway, like I said, she's, uh, she and Kate... Uh, and I've seen people online talk about they would love to see a um, uh, 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 Yelena and Kate uh, kind of a buddy mover or something, or you know them kind of teaming up or something. Which actually made me think about it because a tweet that I said earlier was like I would have loved to see the, like a live action Marvel team up with the MCU characters, but I know how expensive and you know probably hard to put together that would be. Mm-hmm. But. Nevertheless, I, I would have loved to have seen it. So they're talking. They're talk. Uh, they're they're basically talking about Clint for from two different sides. Uh, we find out we get confirmation that Yelena's come to kill Clint. She doesn't say for uh, by who, but uh, but they have a little tete a tete about uh, how good Clint is and how well each other knows him, and you know, and the uh, revelation to Kate that. Yelena is uh, Natasha's sister, to which we know she's, you know, a, a basically a play sister, not an actual sister, but still. Um, but that whole conversation between them, even in the beginning, and like I said, with Yelena, you know, just being a, a great character and um, as she is in the, played by Florence Pugh, is just done quite well, you know. Uh, so that happens, and then... Uh, but, 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 but what happened? Oh, yeah. She Yelena leaves. Thanks her for the the girls' night, and Jen just skeets, skeets out the window that she came in. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, next up, we we kind of catch up with Clint Barton himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clint, uh, you know, now that he's called off the uh, the the erstwhile partnership with Kate Bishop, uh, finds him uh, finds himself at Grills's apartment. Uh, you know, over pizza, they they basically you know chat for a little while, but Clint passes out 
on the couch. Ultimately, Clint heads to, believe it or not, there's a small plaque, a memorial plaque uh, for the Battle of New York that's mm-hmm. at Grand Central Station on 42nd Street, which is essentially the site where the Avengers first assemble, where they have, where, you know, it's the site of that, um, it, it's outside of Grand Central, it's the uh, uh, the Park Avenue um, overpass where uh, the that first turnaround shot in the first Avengers movie takes place, and that is roughly where that plaque is is is, is placed. And uh, at that point, uh, Clint is trying to come to a reckoning with uh, with Natasha and her memory. And um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, after that. Uh, Clint has a phone call with his wife, Laura, and as a result of their phone call, uh, basically, uh, Clint, Clint with, uh, Laura's, uh, at Laura's behest and with her blessing is sent to end this. So, and, in this conversation, if it, well, I feel like if it wasn't clear that, that, uh, Laura was a part of the life, uh, um, prior to when we see her or when we meet her, I feel like it still becomes more clear. Like, obviously, the clues were already there in the last couple of uh, issue, uh, right. episodes. So, um, she definitely... I still convinced she was probably just a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. I know there are theories saying that she could have been a Mockingbird, like kind of like the Black right. Widow program. Right. Um, I'm still not ready to accept that one, but I feel like that's slightly better than her being the Mockingbird. Right. I, that I that is definitely a possibility. I, I think at the at the very least, she was probably Hawkeye's handler. You know, the oh, person man. who uh, gave missions to you know, like at least in, or at least indirectly handled uh, Hawkeye on his missions, and he fell for her. Mm-hmm. Whether or not tr- she's codenamed Mockingbird, eh, you know, we'll see. But yeah. that's the way I see it. You know, she's most definitely X Shield. You know, based on uh, on the conversations we've been privy to between herself and Hawkeye, so uh, everything's on the table. We'll definitely. I have the feeling we're definitely going to find out in the next episode. Definitely. Um, cut to um, um, probably one of the other better scenes in this in this particular episode is that uh, we see two tracksuit bros uh, in a, in a truck uh, riding down the street. Bumping, excuse me, uh, Christmas and Hollis by Run DMC, Christmas classic, mm. obviously, you know, thanks to, uh, you know, in its own right, but also thanks to Die Hard. Um, right. <laughs> so they're bumping and talking about tracksuits. They bring up the Royal Tenenbaums, Bombs, which, sure, that's that's definitely another um, <laughs> tracksuit reference. Um, before it being interrupted by uh, an arrow to through the window with a message for Maya, um, uh, Maya Lopez. Uh, telling from Clint, telling her to meet him at the place where she first met Ronan uh, and come alone, which she doesn't do. Um, and I believe uh, it does cut to later on after that and uh, to where they meet. And then there's a, there's a whole Batman scene as some people were calling it where, where Ronan supposedly, you know, dragging all the other tracksuit bros tracksuit mafia bros under under cars and just get basically get rid of folks starting with kazi who's uh right taking over overwatch uh, right. so at this point right so at this point in the story uh you know Ro- uh clint has taken on the ronin costume mm-hmm. and you know uh 
basically gone to confront Maya. And as Roddy mentioned, we see how different Clint's tactics are when he's Ronan as opposed mm. to when he's necessarily Hawkeye, right. right? They're obviously related skill sets, but we see how different uh, their tactics can be. Right. I would say that it's probably, you know, we've probably come to treat Hawkeye somewhat unfairly as like the weakest fighter amongst the Avengers lineup as fair as that assessment probably is mm. when you have Black Widow, Captain America and, and Black Panther, you know, kind of on the the, the roster right. uh, in terms of like hand to hand combatants, right? So, but but at the same time, at the same time, uh, for the most part, when we see Hawkeye, let's say going at Black Widow or going at Black Panther, he's pulling his punches. Right. In this case, he is not pulling his punches against the tracksuit mafia. Right. And obviously, they're not on his level, but he but he's outnumbered, so he can't afford to pull his punches. Mm-hmm. So you see him go through them like a hot knife through butter. Right. And as and and to your point, like yeah, he kind of does because, like I said, we just most times we see him shooting bow and arrow, and you know, take that for what it is. But he is a shield trained, uh, you know, a a, a shield trained. Better than called that. A weapon. Right. Right. Yeah. So so his so, tree shield training plus his archery training makes him makes him quite deadly. You know, obviously he and you know, he and Natasha goes total because of seminal training, you know, I, we all know we well, those of us who know for the comics, she's definitely way better than him, but still and right. I think and at some points have have given him some training. Right. Well, the comics are different. That's right. the kicker. I know, but still but point but point being some of that still slightly translates. Like they have similar <laughs> trainings. To where they could right. they could uh, kind of go toe to toe with each other if they if even if they weren't going uh, even, even if they weren't pulling punches. Mm-hmm. That being so, said, go ahead. Right. Yeah, uh, I was about to. You got next. Um. So yeah. So they fight. Uh. The the uh. K. Uh. Excuse me. Um. Uh. I think what Mike gets the upper hand, but then gets stopped by uh Kate, who's kind of up on on the roof because she's kind of come back into the plane after uh after. Uh, an early pity party and, and, you know, getting herself back together. Uh, she shows up to kind of knock a, uh, whatever weapon out of, uh, uh, I guess the, the Ronin sword out of, uh, Maya's hand, uh, Clint gets the overhand basically tells her, look, I'm not the, uh, I was there for, because of, uh, cause she, he was told to be there where, when her father got killed. Um, which leads her to start questioning things uh, uh uh coming past this but she gets away and they get away in an uber um uh which i guess you say is the stalemate um and they're talking in the car kate tells her about yelena which apparently uh clint knows about you know which makes some sense you know at some point you would think they would they would have talked about her as close as they were Mm-hmm. So, but he's probably never seen her, so he's, he's like, "Okay, this, that's her." You know what? You know when that happened? What happened? That conversation about Yelena. Uh, yeah, in I the car. bet you it happened. Okay. No, no, I bet. No, I'm, I, I'm. This is conjecture on my part. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. It probably happened in space before Vormir. They did happen to have time, yeah. But at the same time, eh, it could have. But I mean, as long as they've known each other, at some no. But at that, the end of the day she probably had that time to talk about it because that was post the Black Widow movie. True. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Put it that way, because that was definitely a long trip. But I could also see it to where <laughs> they've known each other long enough. Like he knew. I mean, it could happen. No, but the point is, it could. Well, like considering that the events of Black Widow happened before Infinity War, sure. right? So it could happen then, right? You but know, yeah, it definitely could have happened then. But I think it it's logical that it would have happened during Endgame. Yeah, or it could have happened well before that. Because like that, it's not like like Net knew about his family. So it's, it's not necessarily without the, and, and has known for quite some time. Like he was, she was the only other person outside of Clinton, you know, who, who didn't know. So it's not outside of relevant possibilities that she could have known like well before now, basically. So we don't yeah, even know. I, I mean, I just find it unlikely that she would go into her childhood because that was the last time she saw Yelena. Yeah, possibly. Right. right. But, so like I said, think that but they are close. In who terms of, right. No, but in terms of thinking about, you know, the way the story's been told so far, it feel, it feel, to me it feels like that's when she found out about her. Yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't surprise me that he knew because exactly. immediately my mind said, oh, they did have that little space trip by themselves. Right. It's, you, you basically, the, the bottom line is we know at some point they, they, they definitely talked about it. Yeah. So, so, so uh, back to the, you know, back to the story. So, um, uh, Oh, did we get to the part where? Oh, so 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 Kate basically uh, disarms Maya because uh, Maya Maya gets the upper hand, but it's really only because Clint's trying to you know convince her that he's telling the truth. Yeah, we're past and, that point. Yeah, we're, we're, that. we're no, no, no. I got that, but um, but there is a point where Maya confronts Kazi about the circumstances right. right and this is yeah exactly. and that's where what's that yeah no you're right exactly that's the part where we're at right and that is where we uh leave off and i will leave it to roddy can to finish off this episode with the big reveal yeah so there's not really much else the, the, um um kate and clint go go back to grills's apartment where uh grills is taught pizza dog a, a, a trick uh they're sitting at the table trying to you know clean up or, or whatever the case may be um basically uh kate gets a text from uh, you i presumably yelena telling her who uh hired her um now granted the the little, little back of this now we already know there's somebody else behind the scenes thanks to the end credit scene of Black Widow movie, but we don't get right. into that right now. We kind of find out that Eleanor, Kate's mom, uh, hired Yelena, and Yelena sends her, who had been following Eleanor in, in a scene prior to this, by the way, um, gives, sends uh, Kate a picture of Eleanor, and one other figure that we've been, most folks have been waiting to see, one, Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, uh, and Kate shows Clint and, you know, and that pretty much, uh, and who, and he pretty much ends off saying Kingpin and that ends the show or ends the yep. episode rather. It is the man behind the fat man cars. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. If that all in uh, other clues weren't, uh, uh, apparent in this, uh, show, then that's what it is. So, yes. So most theories, most of not all theories uh, about that being the case, uh, and also adding more credence to other, you know, another character coming into the MCU has now been confirmed. Right. Uh, at the end of this episode. So the next and last episode should uh, get a little bit more into the Kingpin's character. I saw uh, Vincent D'Onofrio 
uh, unfortunately, this was a slight spoiler because I had not seen the episode at the time. Um, but he tweeted, you know, um, a, a picture of the, the Hawkeye logo that, that's at the end of the episode and uh, captioned it with, when I was a boy, which if people remember from Daredevil, he, you know, started out a, a pretty intense scene. <laughs> uh, if, at least I think that was that scene anyway, uh, to where he starts off with that telling a story. So, yeah. Kingpin mm-hmm. confirmed, and you know we and if and the folks who don't know the Kingpin and Maya Lopez have history, uh, to which this particular epo- episode kind of sets up, uh, because like I said, she starts having doubts, and she went to I think we did talk, I can't remember if we talked about that part. She goes to talk to Kazi again, asking him why he wasn't at the meeting when her dad got killed, and he was like, I don't know, I was I wasn't told it was this and that other, but it seems like yeah, he's you know. Seems like he knows more about it than he's he's letting on, which I feel like he's probably the one that killed her dad. Yeah, pretty much because of the kingpin told him to. Mm -hmm. That's what it seems like. But like I said, that's pretty much it. It's a good. It was a great episode, and like I said, the reveal being what it was, and and people were like, "Yes, so this means that you know possibly Daredevil could be in the MCU next." Um, uh, you know, coming up at some point, we'll see. Maybe in She Hulk. Who knows. You know, um, I suspect if there was another way for him to come in would be a, a, the, the movie that just came out, which, again, no spoilers either one way or the other. So, uh, you know, but there's that. So that is Hawkeye episode five. Um, uh, like I said, the next episode will be in the next few days after this recording um, and the, the last one of that. And I kind of can't wait. I wonder if they're going to like uh, extend that episode a little bit. Like when is going to be a longer than the yes that is my understanding that it's roughly an hour okay like a straight like a clean hour right okay so yeah so uh i am looking forward to that uh you got any um thoughts before we move on uh no just uh you know hoping that they are able to nail the landing yeah yeah, that is always the thing. And obviously we know that uh Maya Lopez Echo is getting a um getting a show, so I assume some stuff with them that doesn't get tied up here is going to go into that. Right. They'll set it up. Yes. What I would say is more so than even Cap and the Winter uh and, and the Winter Soldier TV Disney Plus show, mm-hmm. this is proven to be the most solid entry because it is so grounded. Yes. You know, it's actually something that plays a little bit more like an action adventure show because there aren't any extra really fancy powers running around. Yep. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And yes, there's a couple of liberties. Like for the most part, they've been taken from the "My Life as a Weapon," you know, the the, the Hawkeye, the, the Fraction uh, Aha Aja uh, series that uh, is borrowing heavily from, but also kind of taking some liberties because of the whole. Maya Lopez Kingpin connection. Although right. there was a connection in that book anyway, because the Kingpin was, you know, attached to the tracksuit mafia. So it's not far off. It's just that the whole mm-hmm. uh, echo thing kind of got lumped in on, in the series for that. So good stuff. All right. Now we are going to go into the comic books of the week. Uh, starting off with Amazing Spider-Man number 81. One, 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 number one. 81. I'm pulling up my sheet now. 
Amazing Spider-Man number 81 is written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Carlos Gomez, colors by Brian Valenza, and letters by our favorite Python, VC's Joe Caramagna. So uh, this has been, this particular confrontation has been set up over the past issue or, or two of each, uh, of both The Amazing Spider-Man and the Miles Morales uh, Spider-Man books. In this issue, we have uh, kind of a rando uh, creature uh, character that is busting up Brooklyn, and the Beyond Corporation is sending in uh, stupid Ben Riley on a mission to try to uh, get some good PR, and they warn him ahead of time there is a very high probability that this mission, that on this mission, he will encounter Miles Morales, uh, to, who to them is uh, bootleg Spider-Man. When you know that is the pot calling the kettle black, and uh, he is asked and tasked with enforcing and protecting the intellectual property of the beyond corporation, which just made me laugh. It, it is all very legalese and legalistic. Uh, we, you know, we, we, uh, unfortunately have a little stop in with, uh, Ben and, uh, was that Janine? Like yes. ex con Janine. Yes. So yeah, I don't really care about these characters. I'm just <laughs> tolerating them poorly at this time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, ben Riley makes his way into Brooklyn, uh, into he makes his way all the way into Bed Stuy somehow, mm. and finds um, and, and finds uh, that uh, he is ill prepared to deal with the friendly neighborhood part of the friendly neighborhood Spider Man because it is not on his assignment sheet from the Beyond Corporation. Mm-hmm. When Miles uh, uh, bounds in and. Uh, their differences, you know, make for uh, easy fodder for combat. As things tend to do, which, at you know, like I said, this is, is, is a comic book favorite thing to do, you know, two opposing forces who, well, we, we know they've met before. Right. But that doesn't come out until like halfway in here after the fight has already happened. But again, that is a, that is a very comic booky superhero thing to do. It's like, oh, shoot, we got, we got beef. Uh, so we knew a fight was going to happen, but it didn't like so it didn't have it didn't last long. Um, they threw in the line and said, "Oh yeah, we met before," and then they didn't, and, and they to, uh, they teamed up, you know, um, and I guess come to some sort of an understanding uh, to a point as they're fighting. But we also come to find out it, it, so um, that uh, that the the thing that they're fighting has something to do with a Miles uh, Miles Morales villain. Uh, which basically cuts to the next um, the uh, the next comic book that we were about to talk about, right? Right. So uh, you know it does relate back to kind of a fraught period in Miles's recent history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also add that um, there is a mysterious solution referred to i can't make out what's in that containment unit that uh that lady from the beyond corporation is 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 handling and uh when they're talking about the dr octopus problem that happened in the beyonce issue uh with aunt may Mm -hmm. i think i that's a vaccine yeah yeah i think that's a piece of that thing that they were fighting is it i believe so i don't know that for sure because yeah i couldn't make it out at first i'm like that kind of seemed like it could be 
but okay. at the same time, but it does look kind of weird that it, that it might not be. But I feel like I feel like that's probably what it is. But and as we will see uh, with Miles' book, which I guess we can go ahead and get into. Yes. Are you in the yes, creative yes, team? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I will get the creative team out of the way and hand it over to you. Miles Morales, Spider-Man number three, three is thirty-three. Miles Morales, Spider-Man number thirty-three is also. Written by Saladin Ahmed, with art in this book by Michelle Bandini, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Take it away, Radicat. Yes. So, um, as we find out, um, like I said, this, this is coming off of Spidey's book, we're going to find out that Miles also gets a piece of this uh, monster or this thing that they had fought, uh, that he and Ben had fought in um, in the issue we just talked about. Uh, he takes it to Gonky, and they're kind of talking about it, and uh, that you know, and the fact that you know they they basically bring up Ben, they bring up this thing, and they find and they was like and you know kind of gets Gonky up to speed. It's like yeah, this is from the Excessor, who he obviously Gonky, his best friend, already knows about. So. Uh, and, and Gaki's like you are right because we know this is you know that was a that was a problem for you not that far and it hasn't been that long ago um, um, by the way this is only a, in real time uh, in you know in real time it's also been a couple months ago but in the comics uh, in the comic book I'm not sure how long but it's definitely still hadn't been that long regardless so they talk about it like yeah we're cool so I suspect this piece of thing is probably going to come up again uh, for another character that shows up because from this piece of thing, they find out, and I guess, the, and also the events from um, last, uh, the or uh, Amazing Spider-Man, they kind of know where the the accessor is. So he goes to talk to Shift, which is a clone of his. That's I think that's the only clone that's a, that's still around, if I'm not mistaken. Because we're not sure if that other one that made. It. Well, I guess that other one did kind of make it, didn't it? We just don't know where it went to. So. Because one one clone got did, got 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 uh got killed and the other one presumably but the head got bad killed. guy clone right the right. spider looking clone right yeah. right presumably he got killed but we don't know he might have he might still be around we don't know and then there's this other one shift um so they both go after to get, they both basically assault this uh this uh place looking for the the accessor they fight a whole bunch of guards and at the end of it they come find out this place is uh, being cloaked by a hologram uh, that I guess they all, they all infiltrate um, next issue. So that's, that's pretty much the long and the short of, of, of that. Uh, there was also a, a little backup story. I don't know if you read that with shift, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and the thing like that. I don't think it has little to do with the, the main story, but it was, it was cute. Right. Uh, I would just say that I'm not a fan of this new miles costume. I think already there. I, you know what's funny yeah. about it is I don't I actually don't mind the upper it's the lower that bothers me that leg pattern mm-hmm. is just annoying looking I don't mind the jacket and the hoodie thing it just I like, like a, that it's a little on the baggy side right but that but the pants combo oh that's not cool I've had issues with it since it since it came about and, I, and it we've talked about it here on the show so I'm not even going to go back into it but it, I don't know just at this point especially coming off of watching Hawkeye it just feels like a tracksuit with a with a uh, with a mask on it I think my biggest problem is that this is the first time I've seen 
the the bottom leggings part mm-hmm. drawn in this kind of detail from the back and the side mm-hmm. and seeing what the web pattern looks like i am not a fan of that at all right Oh, I forgot. The, there was one other thing about this issue I forgot to mention. Uh, like, like I said, uh, Gonky and, and, and Miles is talking, and I was thinking to myself, the the worst supervillain ever, um, ever, uh, ever, ever given birth. Legal jargon. Yeah. Uh, because they talk That's about the, the whole legal thing. So exactly, exactly. All right. So, uh, President Bartlett, what's next? What is next? I guess we can go into uh, one of my favorite books, and probably one of uh, well, you know, probably one of Age of Seventies. Also, Strange Academy number fourteen. Sure, Strange Academy number fourteen is written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So. This is an, a very interesting issue, and I will uh, trade, uh, uh, you know, Roddy Cat and I will alternate talking about this issue because there are some seriously interesting developments that come about in this issue. Firstly, we have uh, a foray into, believe it or not, the Age of Apocalypse timeline, mm-hmm. and... You know, we're messing with time here. You know, this is straight out of uh, Endgame. You know, talk about messing with time. There's no time stone involved. This is, after all, the 616 Marvel Universe. And, uh, you know, sorcerers have the ability to travel through time here. And one of the things that uh, the kids at the Strange Academy are being taught is to travel through time judiciously and to use that ability judiciously. Uh, Dr. Voodoo. Uh, do, yeah, I was about to say, I wanted to say Dr. Jericho Drum. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, same. Yeah. You know, but Dr. Voodoo is uh, leading this particular course and uh, while some of his uh, classmates are struggling with it, it looks like Doyle Dormammu uh, succeeds. And I will hand it off to Ronica to let us know what happens next. So, so first of all, I question the response of the, the, the potential irresponsibility of teaching kids time tra- to, to, to travel through time magically or otherwise. On their own, yes. without chaperone. Yes. So I'm sitting here, because even before the whole door thing, I was like, okay, this can't go well. <laughs> like, teaching them about it, that's one thing. Fine. Showing them how to do it, that's, that is irresponsible. <laughs> I get it. There's, like, there's a reason for it. It's like, hey, if you know the, you know the good, you did the bad, blah, blah, blah. But that still is like, this, is, this will not go well. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so... Uh, the kids do their own little solo trips, but the only one we get to actually see is Doyle taking a trip into his own. Um, I, I think I called it "Days of F- Future Unpleasant," <laughs> right? Uh, for him, because we already know Doyle. Uh, there's a prophecy uh, that is that Doyle's kind of weighed upon uh, because of his, you know, uh, because of his uh, relationship to his dad, Dormammu. Um, Long story short, he goes to into the future where apparently that might that potentially could come true. 
Uh, and he finds out some stuff that he wasn't too crazy about, like, you know, uh, he's going against his former classmates uh, at the site of uh, the, the Strange Academy. And, you know, he wants to basically uh, change the future. Uh, but he gets yanked back by Dr. Voodoo uh, b- before, you know, he has a chance to do something. But he's, he's still kind of feeling about it. So we probably hadn't seen the end of that. And then um, the other part of this issue, we cut to um, Calvin, the the uh, the formerly jacketed, magic jacketed uh, magic user um, who is trying to get his magic back. And we already saw at the events of last uh, issue that, you know, he's one of... He doesn't. He kind of doesn't care how he does it because he's talking to uh, uh, Zelma Staten, and she kind of gives him like, "Here, here's my journal. I don't. I didn't have magic, but here's how I learned. You know, and gave her a book about. Gave him a book about it. But he's like, just like kids kind of want to do shortcuts some stuff. So he kind of goes into town and talk and kind of finds this local myth, which not a myth. A uh, person named Gaslight, who I believe. Uh, probably if you've seen the princess and the frog may have something to do with the character that's, that's there, but regardless, don't worry about that. Um, and, and, uh, a wish is granted. Yeah. This ga- yeah I was about to say this gas lamp. Uh, I'm sorry. This gas lamp character is actually related to the zombie, uh, girl characters. Is Zoe? Yes. Right. So there is a little bit of interconnectivity here, especially in the locale of new Orleans. Mm-hmm. So, yes, and we saw uh, that, that last is, year. Right, I was about to say that is uh, proving to be a very integral part of the Strange Academy story. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to mention very briefly, and these are uh, pretty mild spoilers because this is a possible future, but it right. seems like there is a rift uh, caused in the class, in the, in the Strange Academy class, where people are, cho- are, are choosing sides. Right, kind of like a, oh yeah, I did mention there was a Civil War aspect in, in my notes. Basically, right. Days of Future Unpleasant Civil War type of situation mm-hmm. going on there so right. yes there, there's just it's just a scene it, it's literally just a panel but Wait, i think, I think we're meant to understand that there is a rift that is caused and some people choose one side and one and some people choose the other right yeah yeah i kind of slightly alluded to that i think when i when i said that but uh when i said something uh but yeah so that's pretty much that and then like i said the other side of this is calvin trying to get calvin uh trying to get his magic back and Going against everybody who told them not to not not to find this character from last uh, issue, but of course being hard headed and wanting his match back, there is that. So he's given a wish. He's be, so he's been granted that, and he's I guess he started using it. And of course, just like any other drug dealer, uh, the the first hit is for free, and um, obviously is going to come up uh, a little bit more in the the, the next issues. Of course. Uh, I thought one of the best and funniest parts of this issue was the like end notes yes. in this issue yes. for the class for the Strange Academy class the where the Strange advisory. Academy has a note of for the time travel advisory effective for all time. Mm-hmm. And it's hysterical because, you know, if you're time traveling or time hopping, you must adhere to the following time slash timeline travel restrictions and avoid these particular realities. Mm. 2099, but the year 2100 is a okay. (laughs) Days of Future Past is effective immediately, is is basically off limits immediately for all mutant students. Mm. 1602 is off limits because it's Neil Gaiman. (laughs) Uh, Zombies, except for Zoe Laveau, Age of Apocalypse. Mm. I'm sorry? Because she's a zombie. Right. 
Age of Apocalypse, except for faculty slash sor- sorcerer chaperone. Mm-hmm. House of M, yes. just no. <laughs> just and no. don't ask. Yeah, and don't ask Scarlet Witch. <laughs> exactly. The the next one's my favorite. Also, Amalgam. Oh Amalgam. Yeah. yeah. Yes. 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 When have you seen that word that reality referred to <laughs> in the Marvel universe? Right. And the caption says it all. Whose idea was this? I laughed. I I, I, I audibly laughed uh, uh, so hard about that one. <laughs> That was so awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, which was in the next one, I believe, uh, which was a pretty big dig, the uh, ultimate. Right. <laughs> to my, I don't, we, right. we don't even know if this actually exists or not, or has it ever, ever existed or not. Exactly, exactly. But that amalgam one had me crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. And they've had some good, some really good pages along those lines after the uh, in the after the story. But that one, that was pretty good, just for being what it was. <laughs> oh my god, I st- I'm still kind of remembering, you know, like kind of like I, you know, sitting here at my computer just reading. And when I saw the word amalgam in the caption, I I I lost it. I couldn't believe they went for it. And it's just you know, it's just kind of a, you know, it's not an in-story thing, but it kind of is, because these you know these notes are you know they they might be referred back to at some point. Yeah. But I just got a kick out of that. That was just a great great addition. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Whether we will see anything else come from, I doubt it. But like I said, that right there was great enough. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and I'm just gonna put it right here uh, again. Strange Academy, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a um like a full fledged like Marvel head to, to to enjoy this book. Like, yeah, if you if you're a fan of Harry Potter, you might you might enjoy this. You know, there's there's some affinity there. Um, but it's just a just 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 a good book, just in general. Uh, that being said, all right. So now, but. Uh, we can more people should be reading that book actually i i would dare say yeah uh, i think so too so we can go on well actually mm, you know what do we want to do one more book or just go ahead and hit uh rapid no i was about to say we can hit rapid fire we'll hit the the the, the mini gun because roddy cat has several books he needs to get through so yeah but i get those quick, am, so that's cool i am going to spin it up uh hit it jesse the body ventura A.K.A. Blaine. I ain't got time to bleed. All right. I'll lead off because I have fewer books this week. Uh, First up is Berserker. Number six of 12 from Boom Studios. It's written by Keanu Reeves and Matt Kint with art by Ron Garney, colors by Bill Crabtree, and letters by Clem Robbins. So we actually find out even more, even more about this Berserker character that uh, is uh, patterned after Keanu Reeves. We find out uh, what exactly uh, might be his motivations in his latest adventures with this group that have weaponized his seeming immortality. And, uh, you know, we get some callbacks to some previous adventures that he's had, uh, some, uh, you know, uh, uh, some references that are, that are brought up to help fill in some of his, uh, some reasons for his behavior in the present day. 
And ultimately what we find out is this uh, apparent defense department is trying to go after what makes uh, this berserker character tick. And uh, uh, ultimately, you know, we might have a double cross here and we'll see where that takes the character. Next up, we have Hulk number two. It's written by Donny Cates with art by Ryan Otley, inks by Cliff Rathburn, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by VC's Corey Pettis. I think Roddy Cat read this. Yep. So in this issue, we find ourselves again tagging along with the psyche of Bruce Banner in the body of the Hulk. As the Hulk is hurtling through space, the first thing he run, the the first thing he runs into in this issue appears to be a copy of is it the uh, Authority? That is correct. So I'm not that familiar with the Authority, but I recognized like the 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 homage to it, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously the um, the alternate acronym gave it away. Right. And the Hulk basically not even basically literally <laughs> plows through them while Bruce just Banner goes is right through them. Right. While What's Bruce that? Banner's while Bruce Banner is asleep. Right. He's asleep at the controls. Uh, what ends up happening though, is the Hulk gets ensnared in basically a, a scanner, um, uh, energy envelope. And what we are treated to is what, Bruce Banner has made his engine room, which is the fury of the Savage Hulk personality. And uh, in order to get more power to what he's basically made the Hulk into, which is a ship, in order to gain more power into propulsion and thrust and all that stuff, he basically uh, presents uh, increasing levels of threat to the Hulk in order to get the Hulk angry. And, you know, the angrier the Hulk gets, the stronger the Hulk gets. So, you know, to get to uh, a second level on the, on the, uh, on the throttle, he has to throw uh, Marvel, like some classic Marvel monsters at him. But in order to get to level three, we have uh, uh, the, uh, the reveal that one of the big, motivators of the Hulk. One of the big anger centers of the Hulk is in fact, one short stuff can knucklehead, uh, you know, with pointy claws, AKA Wolverine. And the way it's depicted here is just comedic. There's some really funny bits in here and there is a great one page splash. I'm not a big fan of Ryan Otley's art, but I thought this was well done. This particular uh, one page, uh, this one page splash page where uh, the Hulk um, superimposes one word onto his famous catchphrase of Hulk smash. Um, What we find out ultimately in this issue is the scanner uh, energy net ends up capturing the Hulk. And uh, his captor is someone we are not expecting, although it is definitely heavily teased by the hue of the computer screens around the character as we see the character in silhouette. So I thought that was a big giveaway. But at the same time, I I was honestly still surprised. Yeah. What, I, you, I, what did you think? Yeah, I didn't honestly 
I, I didn't think about it that much uh, as far as to who that could have been until that. I'm like, huh, okay. Um, and it, honestly, up until that point, I was like, wait, are they bringing the leader back? <laughs> uh, which is my thought. But uh, ultimately, uh, but 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 outside of that, like, yeah, this is this is. I, I enjoyed reading this, even though it was kind of the art is what it is. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not of the same mind with uh, Agent 70 about Ryan Otley's art, but it's also situational too, because some of his art fits some of the stuff and not everything he does. Uh, I guess. Yeah. And this one, yeah, I'm not still not sure whether this fits this or not. Kind of does, but also, yeah, I don't know. It could go either way with this. Um, All right. Next up for me is... The Thing, number two of six. This is written by Walter Mosley with art by Tom Riley, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So this is the next big thing, part two. That is the title of the story. And I'll be honest, this is a little wacky for me, so I might let Rodcat uh, talk us through this one, if you don't mind. Uh, that's fine. Uh, let me pull up the uh, cover real quick. Yep. So yeah, the premise is that this is set. This is a, a an old news story, as as we were wanting to say. Meaning, it's, it's a story that's set up in the past, um, uh, uh, you know, a, a, an unseen story from the past, as it were. Uh, and yeah, uh, um, Agent Seven is kind of right, but the short strokes is like, um, hmm. Ah, oh, see. See, this is why I handed it off. I'm going to give you a hand. So yeah, ultimately, well, the character that is uh, causing problems for Ben Grimm in the first issue is uh, originates from an underground version of New York that right. people have escaped to in order to kind of rebuild their version of New York, and or at least their 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 hopeful version of New York. And a lot of these people seem to be uh, destitute and outcasts from the quote unquote upper world. You know, kind of like Morlocks, but without the mutant powers. And what 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 we find out is that the character with the with the tires around his arms, which is kind of silly, I forget his name. Brusque. But um, what's that? Brusque. Is it Rusk? Brusque. Yeah, B R U S Q E. Oh, Brusque. Oh, Brusque. Or Brusque. Brusque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brusque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Brusque. Uh, had become infatuated with this uh, performer, and that is the reason why the paths of Brusque and the Thing cross paths because it's this performer who is seemingly trying to reach out and make a connection with our uh, with uh, Aunt Petunia's favorite nephew, and uh, this uh, this performer gets dragged under uh, the city streets into this um, uh, uh, underground. Uh, redone new york Mm -hmm. and uh things obviously don't go uh you know it's a plan for anybody and uh ultimately brusque is defeated and the thing is ready to leave and he's threatened by one of the characters who are living underground that he can't leave and this is where i kind of lost it with this book Mm -hmm. and i can i kind of can understand it because I was like, wait, what? That's how they ended this particular uh, part of the story. And now 
where you know it's kind of like a weird one and done because it's not it's it's really the first two issues are connected Mm. it seems like the next issue has very little to do with the first two issues but we'll see you know it just says to be continued right so i'm gonna disagree with you there and actually this is a wild tag in because i believe uh, especially with what happened in the particular uh, the particular so, so yeah so the first issue says up this kind of big bad that takes brusque kind of makes brusque and, and sends him off on his thing which leads to this and the brusque thing kind of gets uh i feel like this is a clearly a first arc where hey this mystery kind of comes up because we get met with two people well excuse me we get met with one other person uh because like the young lady that uh, agent 70 mentioned but also this little kid who seemed to know a little bit more than a, a, a kid of that whatever seemingly age knows mm-hmm. and in fact may possibly the at least the way i took it may have had a little bit more to do with uh what happened to brusque than mm-hmm. not either between him or that young lady because they, and it kind of set up slightly smoothly because it's like because you kind of come away thinking wait did like that was just basically just a little too convenient the way that just ended with what happened to Brusque. So I feel like, cause even with the panel, like right before whatever happens, happens, like you just see them staring. So I'm just, and it just kind of seemed like, okay, one of them to me felt like it had something to do with that. And that kind of opens up the mystery that's going forward. You forget this is not, not you didn't forget, but for, for people not to know that this is part two of six. Mm-hmm. So going into the next I- issue that kind of opens up a whole another mystery as to one who was behind brusque and two what's the deal with either one of these two people who may have more to do with things than not because it feel like it's setting up just like well since this other person this other big bat that we were introduced uh uh to uh has shown itself they are probably going up against somebody and that probably has something to do with one of these two characters, probably the kid. That's just my, it, it could be, I could be like totally off base, but that's what it's yeah, I mean, like. Bottom line is we're about to hit the halfway point of the series. So we'll see if issue three uh, brings me any reason to keep going with this. <laughs> right. Because we're going to, you know, really see what uh, uh, Mosley has in store for, uh, for uh, our man, Benji Grimm. So, um, last but not least for me is X-Force number 26. It's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Robert Gill, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by our very favorite Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. Did you happen to read this? Yes, I did. So the adamantium surfboard comes into play. It does. We knew it would. Mm-hmm. So, well... You know, we're basically in the immediate aftermath of the last issue where some uh, amphibious characters are able to make off with some Krakoan babies thanks to some really shoddy Krakoan defenses. And Wolverine feels very responsible for what happened. And he should. And what's that? And he should. Of course. And 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 it is an X Force book, so X Force is tasked with responding to this kidnapping and investigating. And what they find is that the um, the uh, the the two out of the three babies are um, are are safe because it appears that the third baby uh, may have gone a little haywire and wrecked the sub that they were been that they had been abduct- abducted to that they had been taken to as part of their abduction. Mm-hmm. So what we end up finding out by 
via the, the, the scalpel of Dr. Cecilia Reyes is that these um, characters who had gained amphibious traits were not mutants. They could be mistaken for mutants, though, because essentially they are uh, Xeno soldiers who have been given biological adaptations that would essentially mimic being Atlantean. You know, being uh, uh, you know, having lungs and gills and having abundant cartilage, thin bones, and swim bladders. You know, uh, making them kind of equivalent to fish. So, um, as I said earlier, we have a little bit of a comeuppance for the the female that uh, Wolverine was trying to kick it to. Uh, she apparently doesn't make it through some serious waves, and Wolverine has to use his adamantium uh, surfboard to uh, help get out of it and uh, gets rescued by Kid Omega. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we find out at the end of the issue that third baby is in the wrong hands. Right. And uh, this may or may not come back to bite the uh, X-Men in the end. So a couple of quick points. One, yeah, so the three babies, the, the, like I said, they took three babies. One of them seemed to be manifesting their powers, which, if you know anything about mutants, doesn't normally happen until, like, puberty. But there are cases where that where that's not the case. So this third one was the one that just happened to be manifesting its powers and doing what Agent 70 said. Um, but also there was the one little other note was that... Um, you know, coming off the fact that uh, Quentin Quire got dumped by one of the cuckoos, he was still kind of in his feelings about it. And at the same time, Wolverine also kind of, because he kind of had a connection with this one girl that he was going after, and there was a little, there was a little kind of butt heads about that, but kind of end up, you know, coming together at the end in a way. That's that. All right, and that's it for me. And we move on to more stuff. Uh, Black Manta number four. Um, written. Zips. There is that. Um, where's my stuff? Where's my stuff? Here we go. Written by Chuck Brown. Uh, art by Matthew Dow Smith. Uh, colors by Marissa Louise and letters by Clayton Cowles. Not VC related at this point. <laughs> um, so at the last issue, Manta met up with this. Uh, I don't know what she is, but she uh, we're going to call her Turret because that's what she gets named here. I guess they're they're in frenemies. Uh, Manta's under not necessarily under the influence, but basically this. Um, uh, rock called Ori Calcum, and if you know you you you'll know that from a, from a thing. But regardless of that, uh, giving them headaches, slowly killing them, uh, but also this, a similar things happening to this torrid character. They end up meeting up because people can kind of the people under the influence of this rock uh, can kind of sense each other in a, in a way. Uh, last issue they fought, but they in this particular uh, uh, episode issue that they kind of come to a meeting of the minds in a way, but you know, Black Panther being, I mean, Black Manta being Black Manta, a little bit brusque about on his on his side. So they ended up doing a kind of a team up to go see this wizard to, to see to kind of get a little bit more information and try to figure out why this thing is trying to why this thing is killing them, and it has something to do with uh, ancient uh, Atlantean bloodlines uh, of which we found out that Manta is now one of or, well. I guess that we has been retconned uh, into being of the line of somewhere down the line. 
uh, and this is also a tie-in to the Aquaman uh, miniseries uh, that is coming up. Uh, and meanwhile, there's somebody who's vying for, for Mantis Throne also after this rock and trying to fashion a weapon, and, and he kind of comes to uh, and a, uh, a thing to where he needs uh, Black Manta. So that's Manta. So that's going to come into play next uh, issue or two. Uh, but this is uh, four of six. So there's only two more epi- uh, issues left. Um, and we'll see how this plays out. Uh, Wonder Girl number six is the next book. Bing. Uh, written by Joel Jones. Art by Lila DeLuca, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Pat Brousseau. Brousseau. Um, Yara basically, well, she was fighting through Olympus, trying to trying to get away after the events of last issue. Uh, last issue, she got uh, caught, thrown into Tartarus, uh, encaged. Ends up getting out of that because of this giant, and they fought who she ends up fighting, uh, and gets away from that situation thanks to her her weapon that she's still trying to figure out how to use uh and she ends up at the gates of olympus uh with her with her flying horse which yeah there's more parts of me thinking like this this and um uh valkyrie the mighty valkyries are kind of slightly aligned in a way but when you know we're not gonna talk about that uh uh, but anyway, she ends up at the gates of Olympus where on the other side of the gates, uh, her people, her estranged people that she's, uh, her, her group of Amazons that she's, uh, is probably going to end up knowing that she's aligned with, uh, are trying to storm the gates to go get her, but they're on one side, she's on the other. And then she gets attacked, uh, by some, some, um, Olympians at the end of this, uh, thing. Uh, we also see, uh, Cassie Sandsmark and Donna Troy show up and they're talking and they're also with this other group of, uh, Amazons that they just find out that were a thing themselves. And again, this is all leading up to some Wonder Woman events. Uh, I believe that is coming up, um, uh, forthcoming. So we, uh, so not necessarily tied in, but definitely, uh, attached to, uh, Savage, Avengers, the book that seemingly will never die. Um, <laughs> I did skim this, by the way. Okay. I did skim it because out of morbid curiosity, but it does seem that it is almost over. It is. Yes, I was getting. I was going to get to that. Uh, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Patch Zerker, color artist uh, Java or, or Hava or Tartaglia, letters by V.C. Travis Lanham. So yes, as Agent 7 said, this is looks like it's seemingly over but we've been in this place before so this place is so this thing is is a foolish but this seems i i, I even don't even want to say it again because like the whole crux of this book was this whole thing with cool and gath that's been taking care of this issue uh they all go to celebrate at doom's place but there's another little wrinkle uh that needs to be taken care of uh and kang and doom we're talking about it and conan's kind of involved in that and Cue the gif of Rhodey doing the strangling motion from um from uh what was it Infinity War? Yeah, uh, I want to say Endgame. Endgame, Endgame. Yes, yes, yes. Because they're talking about Back to the Future, Hot Tub Time Machine. Basically, yes. Yeah, and, and doing a certain doing a certain thing to get rid of a uh, of a of a um of a person. Baby Hitler. Yes, exactly. So that whole situation happens, which does kind of 
halfway kind of go off. They they but they don't kill Cooling Gav. They they basically change his history uh, without going to that. But this is still not over because it's to be continued at the end of this issue. Right. But 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 the next at least for now the next issue's title or at least setting is a coda and we know that a coda signals an ending so Correct. we'll see if that is in fact a coda for the series right and this book has lasted way longer than, than it potentially has had to write to especially given its beginnings but you know hey stranger things have happened uh next book is defenders number four um why do i have art by al ewing that is totally not right uh, written by Al Ewing. Wow, why do I have a writer? What was I thinking? Um, art by Javier Rodriguez and letters by VCs Joe Man- uh, Caramagna. Uh, this is a trippy ass book. Like this is this is kind of for me how uh, Agent Seventy kind of felt about the, this week's thing. Um, because they've been they've been kind of traveling through. Um, uh, the previous uh, iterations of, I don't know if this, if it's the 616 or just various versions of, um, uh, uh, of just universes in general. It's kind of weird. So basically you have this, the the team of defenders uh, led by Dr. Strange. It's not too many of the usual people you would expect to be uh, aligned with the defenders. And it's definitely not the Netflix folks, uh, uh, just in, just in case you were wondering. Um, but yeah, they're, they're on this thing. It's like um, Galactus' mom, um, uh, Cloud, which I'm not even going to go into that, uh, uh, b- 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 Harpy, Betsy Ross, um, uh, Phantom Rider. There's a couple of, but, but, but uh, it's a couple of people. Regardless, and like I said, they're on this whole thing. The Silver Surfer was there, but now he's gone. And like each, it was, uh, each issue, there's been a member of the team that's left the team for some other reason, and this one's no ex- exception. Uh, we basically get uh, almost a reemergence of a version of the Lifebringer, Galactus the Lifebringer, uh, in the in this. But like I said, this is an instance to where it may not have anything to do with the six one six. You know, uh, before they leap, they kind of go through the fourth wall and end up in another instance of the universe um, to where their next fight uh, ensues. And like I said, a member of the group. Like this, 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 this is a weird book, and uh, I'm not sure how long this is going to last, or or if this is. I wouldn't say I believe this is a, a miniseries, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, next up is Excalibur number twenty six, and you didn't you didn't read this, I guess. I skimmed it, mm-hmm. so I have an idea what it is. I know that it is the last issue of this volume of Excalibur, right? Oh, and actually, yeah, and this and X Force kind of. I guess this week's book, so this uh, kind of moving away from the uh, reading order that is at the back of the, they're basically going into their own things, looks like, because what we were getting in the X books were reading orders of Mm -hmm. how you should read the book, and we're not getting that. In fact, we're getting, in certain cases, relaunches of books, and in, in this case, yeah, like I said, could be the end of this particular book but another one is is coming after it right I, there's an event yes. that this is leading into so this could be one of those things where like 
you know, the death of Wolverine or the lives of many lives of Wolverine, where the 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 book the book proper ends or goes on hiatus while this limited series takes its place in the publishing schedule. Right. And we do know, like we'll see in the news, there is definitely some Xbox that is getting relaunched, at least one in particular. But um, Excalibur number 26 has been written by Tinny Howard, art by Marcus Toe, color artist Eric Arseniega, and letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. Um, so we get a story at the beginning of this that's seemingly before the incursions, and I believe, yes, those incursions, because there is a reference to New Avengers uh, in the company of this that has, I guess, that is tied into this as far as time placement. Uh, but based Sorry, I'm I am hyper aware of things because we we had some uh, technical issues earlier. So hopefully, um, we will continue to not. But anyway, um, uh, there's so there's basically a siege on the castle that is pretty much the last point of um, the point that the the, the Krakoans can come in and out of um, old, uh, other world. And uh, thanks to uh, Merlin's uh, siege of the castle and a plan by him, which I guess Bessie kind of knew about, kind of backs them up against the wall um, and I believe sends them back to Earth. Uh, But Bessie, because of her abilities, can kind of go back to Otherworld. And at the end of this, uh, she may have gone butch in Sundance, but it's also, like H.S. 7 said, is leading to a, a, a possible event that we will see coming uh, coming forward. So we'll see how that uh, plays out. Last but not least, I am Batman. Um, written by John Ridley. Yes, that John Ridley. Art by Steven Segovia and Kristen Deuce. Uh, colors by Rex Locus and letters by ALW's Troy Pateri. Uh, so basically in this issue, this is still kind of coming. Uh, I'm not sure. It's, uh, I think this is after future state. Um, so there, but there's a lot of talk like Lucius, Lucius Fox and Tanya Fox are talking about what happened at the, the prison, uh, in relation to last, uh, issue. And so are, uh, commissioner Montoya and one of the detective Chubbs. Um, who gets a uh, unceremoniously gets uh, transferred to another uh, to another station? Actually, she gets she gets transferred to New York because they say that out, out you know out and about. And I don't know if that's setting up because um, I believe Jace is uh, is supposed to be leaving because of the whole Batman that whole Batman thing, right? Uh, like Batman's leaving Gotham and uh, and everybody else is pretty much going to be left. So basically, Bruce and uh, Jace gone and it's just leaving the other parts of the Bat family uh, to to um, to take care of Gotham, which may or may not have something to do with the video game that's coming up, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, so anyway, like I said, there's a transfer. There's uh, um, uh, I think the only other thing of note that happens is that uh, Seer and Jace in Batman costume kind of meet up and they talk, and there's some real world parallels to some mega stuff, and that's kind of weird and crazy, but whatever. Um, uh, and uh, Jason's sister wakes up at near the end of this, so you know what that takes us. We don't know, uh, but I imagine that the family will get together because of that. Uh, and I think the Lucius and Tanya talk to kind of find themselves at odds with whether what position they were at in the the course of Future State, or even maybe in the, the what seemed to be the beginning of Future State at this point. I don't know. It's, this book is weird. 
But that's it. Uh, clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. So we didn't get anything from the uh, the other hosts. So it is on us. That is fine. So I can tell you I am in between a couple of books this week. Um, most likely in between Strange Academy number 14 um, and maybe um, maybe Hulk number 2 I thought that was interesting despite my misgivings with uh, Ryan Otley's art but I'm probably going to stick with my first instinct, which is Strange Academy number 14. Mm. Um, I myself am slightly torn between Strange Academy and um, actually kind of Wonder Girl, like, weirdly enough. Um, but I think I'm actually going to also go with Strange Academy number 14 because I love that book. Okay. So, that being said, we can go on into the news. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko. Fun at first sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as custom DIY pop figures, art books, and and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the fun code link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funco through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. First, we get into the cinematic news, starting off with, um, yes, Spider-Man No Way Home uh, came out. We already established us already, but um, this is should not be spoiler, but uh says here, prepare to see Peter Parker like never before in Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, there was a interview with CBR with Tom Holland uh, that the revealed that revealed that he was allowed to tap into Peter's pad side in a way that will shock fans of the characters. Um, only one of us on this show can speak to that, but we're not going to do that right now. Next up. Next up, Spider-Man No Way Home has already shattered domestic box office records on its opening day. As reported by Variety, No Way Home earned $121.5 million on its first day in theaters, making its Friday domestic box office the second highest opening day of all time, just behind Avengers Endgame, which pulled a $156.7 million opening day. It is fair to say that this would have been higher were it not for the fact that we are still locked in the throes of a pandemic. Hmm. Although some fools don't care and the virus is still spreading rapidly and uh, variants. 
Next up, uh, and apologize for folks who are um, watching the video version because there could be some potentially spoilerish uh, side uh, articles on the page. Anywho, uh, Sony Pictures Chair Tom Rothman confirms one more Marvel crossover film for Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I'm going to let Agent 70 kind of talk about this because he kind of mentioned something earlier that's related to this article. Yeah, so bottom line is uh, there's some word here that... um, uh, there, you know, there was some word just prior to uh, the Thursday opening that Sony had had plans to do three more Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, but apparently they walked that back and can confirm that there's at least one more um, crossover film or one guest appearance with Tom Holland, and uh, there's no nothing confirmed after that. So we will see how this all plays out. Based on our experience with Sony leaks and Sony rumors, a lot of them tend to be true because at the end of the day, they have a very, very bad record at uh, stopping their leaks. They don't have the same sniper team that uh, Marvel has because if Kevin Feige is trying to stop you, you generally get stopped from leaking or spoiling. So uh, bottom line here is it seems likely that all of these um, rumors and, and, and innuendo that uh, Sony dropped probably will end up being true. And we're probably going to get a lot more Holland Spider-Man. Hopefully. Uh, indeed. Uh, rumor, Doctor Strange. Oh, wait, actually, this is you. Sorry. Yeah, it was previously reported that Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness would be seeing its first trailer soon. A new rumor suggests that the trailer will be tied to the upcoming Spider-Man No Way Home. To which, not a surprise, given that Doctor Strange is in the movie and... X- exactly. And you've seen the trailers, you already know. <laughs> it, exactly. Not that much of a tie. Uh, Sony, excuse me, Sony's third Spider-Verse movie hits theaters in 2023. Uh, so the title reveal for Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse part one rocked the world, uh, according to this article, uh, with the news that the film would be a part of a much larger story, AKA cutting the two parts. Uh, now we have word of when the following installment is expected to release. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller discuss the upcoming single sequel to the Academy award winning, uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse during the entertainment weekly Q and a, while discussing this decision to split the upcoming story into two films, the duo said, excuse me, Miles' story is an, is an epic. Uh, we wrote what we thought the story needed to, needed to be, and to our surprise, we realized it was two movies instead of one. Right, because trilogies are not a thing that <laughs> uh, movies are... Splitting movies in, into two parts is not a thing that movies haven't been doing for the last five years or so. Five, ten years or so. So, you know, take that for what it is. Uh, anyway, we're working on the both of the speak. Part two will be out sometime in 2023. We will sleep again in 2024, quote unquote. Next up. Hawkeye's Kazi actor wants to team up with Spider-Man and Killmonger, okay? Uh, yeah, this guy is, is um, being a little ambitious here. Hey, man, you got to get it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Fra Free. That is his name. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the actor's name. And uh, he says that his favorite character is always in Spider-Man since he's a kid. And, uh, you know, he, he just wants to uh, play more in the MCU. 
Of course he does. <laughs> Duh. Uh, Hawkeye Head Rider always wanted that spoiler character involved. So um, we've already talked about Haw- um, Hawkeye episode uh, four, which was from last week. And he's basically talking about uh, Yelena Belova. Um, how he's always wanted that uh, that character to come in. Uh, so not necessarily much else to be said about that. Next up. Next up, Lawrence Fishburne has a present for you. Yes, you, Roddy Cat. <gasps> the me? actor has bestowed <laughs> the has bestowed the very first look at the upcoming Disney Channel animated series Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur upon the world. And while it is extremely short, it is also extremely big on style. I have not watched this. Yet. Actually, neither did I, and I pulled this. So the clip is a kinetic kaleidoscope of colors and action, which honestly befits a series inspired by one of comic legend Jack Kirby's trippy 70s creations. Probably the most obvious visual inspiration seems to be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, perhaps with a dose of uh, Jamie Hewlett's gorillas animations. But the polymorphous colors are psychedelic enough to feel unique, especially for a children's cartoon. OK, I'm going to have to take a look at that when I get yeah, a chance. I, I feel like part of that may be a slightly of a stretch, but I have not watched this, so I don't know. But judging by what the what shots I've seen of this before, like, yeah, it does look a little the art style is a little different. Definitely. So, yeah, I'll check it out. Uh, next up, though, Marvel and DC face off in a new doc from the Russo brothers. We've talked about this before, probably months ago. Uh, the Russo brothers brought Black Panther and Spider-Man into the, the MCU for the first time, according to this article. Uh, da, 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 da. They're going bigger with a 10-part docuseries about the biggest rivalry in comic book history, Marvel and DC. The documentary is called Slugfest, and it premieres December 24th on the Roku channel. Uh, the Russos, y'all know who that who it is, and we don't have to even say, but are producing <laughs> it, and none other than Kevin Smith is narrating, and there's a trailer attached to this article that you can uh, check out if you are so inclined. Next up. Next up, I think we talked about this uh, last week. but Well, uh, after the fact, yeah, after the show, yeah, we did. Right. Netflix has canceled its live-action Cowboy Bebop series after just one season. The first and only season premiered on November 19th earlier this year. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Netflix will not pick up the anime adaption, adaptation of the sci-fi western for another season. This is despite the cliffhanger ending at the end of the first season, season, which finally revealed a prominently missing character. Which in its own, which on its own is like, yeah, but at the same time, I don't know if it actually needed to. Like, I kind of in mostly enjoyed it, but it was... It's, so you finished it? I did finish it, yeah. But it was still kind of, for lack of a nicer word, loose. Obviously, obviously loose from the from the source material, but just loose in execution. Mm. <laughs> um, Not just an adaptation, but in execution. Yes, got it. So, but like I said, it's it was all right. Like, like I didn't hate it, but at the same time, I was like, eh, I don't know. But see, as there's a history of live action uh, anime projects that aren't good. So a lot of people were not expecting this to be great, but you figure with who was attached and, you know, you it seemed like they were taking care, uh, mm-hmm. which they kind of, you can kind of see, you know. Uh, well, you know, what's funny it. is that I've not been big on anime for long and I've not really watched much in the way of anime adaptations right. or manga adaptations. So I'll tell you that when I was watching the Cowboy Bebop 
uh, adaptation. I thought the the parts that would have been weakest for me in the past came through with flying colors, mean, uh, namely some of the CGI and the uh, the space stuff, mm-hmm. and where they fell flat was in the adaptation of the story. Right. Exactly. I uh, I totally agree, which is basically what I was alluding to. So <laughs> now I, liberties abound and they kind of mix some things around and that kind of jumbles some things. Uh, you know, you don't always expect a like, here's a beat for beat for beat for beat thing. Even in MCU, we've already gotten used to that because there's, there's definitely none of that there. That aside, you know, it was an attempt. Um, you know, uh, the way they left it off uh, was weird, kind of, I guess, for what it was. But, you know, you, you would think it, they, it felt like they kind of set it up knowing they possibly were going to get another season. But, then, but you know, no, not. But also, I've seen some really good shows kind of end on Cliff over Cliff, cliffhangers and not get, uh, uh, not get renewed, sadly. This one, I'm not sure if I care that much about. Or I, I, I'm not that pressure is about to, to say that it should get one anyway um, hey it's out there you can check it out while it's still on netflix anyway next up uh some sad news um uh keiko nobumoto writer for cabo bebop and tokyo godfathers dies at 57 uh so yeah she's uh was the writer of a bunch of uh anime uh and manga i believe uh, but she passed away on December 1st after a battle with uh, esophageal cancer. The news of her passing was confirmed by fellow anime writer Dai Soto, Sa- Sato, Saito, uh, Sato, excuse me, on the, um, or Sato, excuse me, whatever. Uh, on Facebook, a private funeral service was held for her on December 4th. She was 57. So you may know that name as the aforementioned uh, uh, writer of Cowboy Bebop. And the adaptation of Cowboy uh, Bebop, Knock on Heaven's Door, which was the... Was that the movie? I think it was. Um, I believe that was the case. Uh, Tokyo Grandfathers, Carolyn Tuesday, Shamurai Champloo, uh, Space Dandy, she's written on. Some, some of those folks might know. She also had credits as a scenario supervisor for Kingdom Hearts. Um, uh, so, yes. Yeah. Uh, Wolf's Reign was a, a animated that I know I've seen, and that was that's kind of a a weird one, but also a lot of people like Wolf's Rain. So yeah, she was definitely uh Macross Plus also. Uh to, you know, to say what you want about that one. Uh she's she really nice. So uh condolences to her family friends for that. Next up. Uh what are we up to? Uh, Netflix live action avatar, right? Yes. Uh, Netflix's live adaptation of the beloved Nickelodeon animated series Avatar The Last Airbender may have lost the original showrunners, but the sprawling cast just keeps getting bigger. The streaming service has announced who will be playing a bevy of roles, including major antagonist Azula. Elizabeth Yu, a newcomer, will play the troubled Fire Nation princess who becomes twisted under her father's emotionally blah 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 blah. <laughs> After Zuko, played by Dallas Liu in the live-action series, joins Team Avatar in later seasons. Native rights advocate and actor Casey Camp Horonek will play the Water Tribe leader and grandmother of Katara, Kiawentio, and Sokka, uh, Ian Owsley, a.k.a. Grand Grand. And several members of the Earth Kingdom have been announced as well. I'm too tired to read all these people. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Suki, Suki's mom, those other people, but so we know. Um, it is late, folks. So forget, you know. Um, oh, Tamlin Tamid is going to be in this. Yay! <laughs> I know Age of Seven is a fan of her, but and so I'm, yep. so I'm not even going to trip. Uh, the Flash is bringing a legion of superheroes mainstay into the Arrowverse, and that would be one Phantom Girl, which I feel like this is old news. I don't know why, um, but regardless, according to the rap, um, actor Mika Abdallah will play the role of uh, Tina Wazo on the series. She is described as a quote-unquote reluctant meta-teenager who, after years of su- uh, successfully hiding in plain sight, finds her life is turned upside down when she becomes the subject of Iris Allen, uh, Iris West Allen's latest investigation for CC Citizen Media. Uh, she finds herself thrust into a dangerous world she never knew existed, one that will change her life forever, um, etc., etc. And so I guess she's going to be on the Flash series sometime this season uh, after this um, five-parter or whatever the case may be. Next up, it looks like the the show is changing days also because it looks like the it's going to start airing on Wednesdays in 2022, following its mid season finale in 2022. Next up, next up, a teaser trailer has been released by the CW for a new teen superhero series called Naomi. The the show stars Casey Walfall as Naomi, a young woman who is beginning to realize she has superpowers. The teaser also gives viewers a first look at a character named Dee, played by Alexander Rafe, who plays a winged alien from the planet Thanagar. Okay. This is a series written and executive produced by Ava DuVernay and Arrow writer Jill Blankenship. And the series also stars a bunch of people. I'm too tired to read aloud. This is what you're going to get for the rest of the episode, folks. <laughs> tired, uh, tired age of 70. Uh, DC's Blue Beetle movie sets 2023 the theatrical release date. So, yeah, uh, according to a Hollywood reporter, Blue Beetle, 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 Blue Beetle movie is no longer being planned as an HBO Max exclusive. I feel like that's all kind of old news. Uh, it is now adding a theatrical premiere with a release date of August 18th, 2023. Um, so yeah, as folks may or may not know, HBO Max has been a place where a lot of movies uh, this year have been going, including the upcoming Matrix Revolutions, which we'll talk about in a minute. But they have gone long since gone back on that and decided to put everything into movies, uh, strictly to movies, which is sad. But yeah, so there's that. Next up. Netflix has acquired the David F. Walker action comic The Hated for a potential live-action Western series. The prime mover here is Michael Starbury, the Emmy-nominated writer who teamed with Ava DuVernay on When They See Us and Colin in Black and White, the Netflix series on Colin Kaepernick. Starbury will be executive producer along with Prime Universe Films' Adrian Ascaria Walker, David F. Walker, and Sean Ovalo. It'll be a female-driven post-Civil War revisionist history western based on the exploits of Araminta Free, a gunslinging bounty hunter in a world where the Civil War ended differently. Instead of a victory for the North, there's a truce, and what had been one country is now two. Araminta specializes in crossing the border into the Confederacy, tracking down vicious war criminals, which has made her a woman with a price on her head. Solid Comics publishes it. The only reason why I read this far is because I got a kick out of seeing the name Araminta, which I had not really seen before other than in Crazy Rich Asians. Which I will ask you about how that is after the show. Um, 
Funimation and so now we're getting into the anime block because Jump Festa 2022 I believe happened uh, the, uh, this past weekend also so anyway uh, Funimation and Crunchyroll are getting new Attack on Titan episodes this week uh, yeah exactly that's what I was expecting <laughs> so uh, Funimation and Crunchyroll are getting eight new episodes of uh, Attack on Titan in anticipation of airing uh, Attack on Titan final season part two Previously, the episodes were only available on DVD, but they will now be released to the streaming surface on December 19th, which is the day we are recording, so they should be up there at, as we speak. I'm uh, pulling it up right now, just to double check. Mm-hmm. Because we have now gone into the 20th as of this recording, so... Um, y'all know what Attack on Titan is. I don't have to say anything about this, except for the fact that... Um, Attack on Titan Final Season Part 2 is currently scheduled to be released on January 9th, 2022 and Agent 70 rejoices again. Yay! <laughs> and while he pulls that Oh up, yeah, it looks like they're up. Yeah, they're, they're up now. The eight, the eight, they're eight episodes. So they are up now. On, on, on Funimation, they're listed as OADs. OAVs or OADs? No, OADs. Hmm, that's a because they were direct DVD. DVD, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I haven't heard that term in a minute. I, OAVs, but which OAVs? Anyway, we're not going to get into that. All right, or OVA, right? Exactly. OVA, you, you yeah. Normally, it's OVA, but exactly. they're listed here as OADs. That's interesting. But anyway, so they're out there. Go, 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 go at it, you Attack on Titans fans. I ain't there. Yay! <laughs> All right, next. Just, uh, just, just everyone who likes Attack on Titan, please remind Roddy Katz to watch it past where he stopped watching it because he thought it was going one way, and it is definitely not going in that way. He just decided to stop abruptly when he assumed it was going one way, and it is most assuredly not going in that way. I still feel valid in my, uh, uh, regardless of whether that's the case. I mean, I've watched enough anime to know that that would be the case, but I'm still not really sold on that one. Anyway, we can talk about that one later. <laughs> there's a reason why it's so popular though oh, so yeah, but anyway man popular doesn't always mean good <laughs> in this case mm. that's a, that's the chef's to that rule but like i said you know like yes it is i'm sure it is good but it's not everybody's cup of tea basically yeah oh yeah nothing is ever everybody's cup exactly. of tea so all right a brand new anime series in the long running long running is no joke oh, Yu-Gi-Oh! franchise is prepared to duel the official Yu-Gi-Oh! Twitter account posted a teaser visual giving card game fans a first look at the series' colorful characters and new monsters. Yu-Gi-Oh! Go Rush is set to premiere in April 2022 and will, for the first time in the franchise's history, feature an alien as the main protagonist. You mean that 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 dude with the funky hair colors is not an alien? Right, because that is a hallmark of the Yu-Gi-Oh! series. Uh, lead protect, well, a bunch of people with crazy-ass hair, so that's not nothing All new. Right. <laughs> That is not alien. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's the thing. I honestly, I, I love the the original Yu-Gi-Oh series. I feel like you can skip everything past said the thing, but I know there are people who like some of those other ones. So this is probably for you also, because you got to keep that card uh, that that card synergy going. If we learn anything from the toys that made us, or or in, or any of the like type shows. Um, which there may be a reference to that coming up soon. Uh, Dragon Ball Super's uh, superhero reveals new Gohan trailer and premiere date. So yeah, new footage and a premiere date for Dragon Ball Super Superheroes released at this year's Jump Festa. New footage shows off a better look of the movie's new villains, the mysterious Gamma One and Gamma Two. 
excuse me, the trailer shows the duo ganging up on Piccolo, who always seems to get ganged up first before <laughs> Goku or Gokhan comes to save him, which sads, sadly. Uh, followed by another fight with where the new fighters take on Gohan, who is now wearing, well, I don't know why it's now saying, because it's not like Gohan has never worn uh, Piccolo's clothes before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, it goes into that. We don't, we won't go into it, but definitely check out that if you are, are interested in it. I looked at it. It's, it's, I'm kind of looking forward to it, even though I have not finished Super. Uh, the Japanese release date. It's taking you so long. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm still thinking about just going ahead and just slicing up, uh, de- no pun intended, Demon Slayer, uh, and then jumping back into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, the Japanese, the movie's Japanese release date is going to be April 22nd, 2022, which means that at some point we'll get it over here. Or if you've got a VPN, you can handle that accordingly, I guess, around that time. Uh, and the national release date has not been announced yet. But like I said, it's probably going to happen. Next up. Oh, it's awful because all those movies, they do a good job of clamping down on getting that stuff before you're supposed to. We'll put it out. This is true. They do an excellent, like I have been fiending for the My Hero Academia World Heroes movie Mm -hmm. because I missed out on watching it in the theaters and it's just going to take forever to get a a viewable copy of that. Speaking of My Hero Academia, a new trailer for My Hero Academia's sixth season has been released. The trailer, which was shared on Toho Animation's official YouTube channel, once again teases the upcoming showdown between the series' wholesome best boy Izuku Deku Midoriya, to, uh, the inheritor of One for All, and the twisted Tomura Shigaraki, the successor to the villain is All for One. The video shows brief clips of the heroes and villains on both sides of the upcoming conflict, including the flame hero Endeavor and Deku's classmate from UA High School. Uh, the trailer once again confirms that season six classmates that is from UA High School. The trailer once again confirms that season six will begin airing sometime during fall. Fall. 2022 so it's still a while away yo yes it is now you also i don't think i have it in the lineup you also had some other news about was it my hero about the manga oh i did i i happened to see something uh uh in my twitter and or instagram feed that the creator of my hero academia announced i believe it was at this convention mm-hmm. that uh, the manga story for My Hero is probably going to end within roughly a year, uh, given the you know like uh, given how schedules seem to be falling into place for the creator. Obviously, with the pandemic going on, we don't know if that's going to play havoc with the schedule. But he's looking at wrapping up the overall story of My Hero Academia in the manga within the next year or so. Uh, that gives us. Uh, fans who have not read the manga, maybe some impetus to just dive in and start reading it to catch up and see, because I really have only watched the anime. Right. Yeah, and I think this this uh, article kind of alludes to what you or some of what you just said. So about that. Next up, uh, and news that I'm kind of excited about, even though I I've not finished uh, the series. Bleach, Thousand Year Blood War TV anime trailer, uh, key visual released for October 22nd, 2022 start. So basically, the I believe this is the last chapter, last season of uh, Bleach, which has been, been a while since Bleach has come out. Um, but the first details for of the final 
Bleach TV anime arc, the Thousand Year Blood War arc, were revealed at Jump Festa. Um, it released our first teaser trailer, and I watched it. That joint looks good, even though I kind of don't know what's going on in some of it. But you, you see shots of people you know about it, you, you get enough of it. Anyway, uh, full staff and cast and teaser visual, uh, uh, it's a key art piece, basically. As well as an October 22nd, uh, 2022nd, uh, excuse me, October 2022 premiere date on TV Tokyo in Japan. So at some point we'll get over here in the States, probably sooner, um, you know, <laughs> sooner, uh, thanks to Crunchyroll or whatever, hopefully. Um, the, the way they end up doing this is, is, is slightly different from the, for the anime than movies. Anyway, uh, the, the trailer is in this article. You can check it out there. There's the piece of art right here. It shows uh, Ichiko, uh, the dude. And it also gives a rundown of the, the Japanese cast. Uh, so you can uh, check that out in this article. Next up. All right. Uh, <laughs> the Witcher's second season has hit Netflix, so it is re- it is there for consumption if you are up for that. And uh, Netflix revealed a first look at Blood Origin, the Elven-focused prequel miniseries for its adaptation of Andrzej... Uh, Sapkowski's smash hit fantasy world. Uh, blah 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 blah. I'm looking for what Michelle Yeoh fits into all this. She's in the cast, and the uh, basically it's uh, like uh, the footage that I think was at the end, almost like an end credit scene. If I'm read this article right, shows mm-hmm. her in action. Oh, okay. All right, thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Next up. Speaking of Michelle Yeoh, we love her around here. This is which is why I put this in here because it's. it's as far as I know, not comic related, although kind of. The first trailer for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once reveals what we all want a Michelle Yo multiverse. So, yes, this is Michelle Yo's new movie uh, called uh, Everything, Everywhere at Once. Uh, uh, Yo stars as an exhausted Chinese American uh, woman who can't seem to finish her taxes. But there's obviously a lot more to the film than just that. Uh, the And it goes into what the trailer goes into, but you should really just watch it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're good. Um, thanks for that. So, um, Jamie Lou Curtis is also in it, and a few other people. Watch, uh, watch the trailer. If you're a fan of uh, Michelle Yeoh, and maybe Jamie Lou Curtis also, which I did not recognize at first, but um, regardless, check it out. Uh, the movie, this is an interesting trailer. Yes, yes. It, oh, you so saw you did see it. It was at it, it played with uh, No Way Home. Okay, yeah, because it just came out a few days ago, so that makes sense. Um, uh, the trailer did, uh, but the movie itself is coming out March twenty twenty fifth. Oh, excuse me, March twenty fifth of twenty twenty two. And yeah, the joint looks trippy. So you should, like I said, if you get a chance, check it out. Um, Definitely. Yep. Um, there is an exclusive trip. Uh, excuse me, clip of the... No, I was about to say, I got this one. This is oh, uh, okay. this well, is my turn. All right, go for it. Even though I punted that Witcher one because I was like, so where's the Michelle Yeoh part? Um, <laughs> Neo, and when I say Neo, we don't mean uh, the, 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 the car. I'm talking about Keanu Reeves is reminded of the past by Bugs' Jessica Henwick in an exclusive clip from The Matrix Resurrections, which is in theaters and on HBO Max. 
on December 22nd, just mere days from today, the yes, date sir. of this recording. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, and uh, like I said, at this point, I don't necessarily have to look at anything else because it's only a couple of days away. Yep. Also, can we talk about the fact that Jessica Hendrick's uh, character's name is Bugs? Like, really? That 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 uh, one of, that uh, one of yeah, that Warner Brothers synergy just going strong. Well, if they have her eating carrots, then we're gonna have to have some words with somebody. Well, I mean, I believe, and this may or may not be supported because I think she's supposed to have like a white tiger suit or a white rabbit thing. She's probably the white rabbit. <laughs> I feel like I, I saw enough of one of the two trailers that kind of hinted to where that part. So there is a little bit more, you know, little, little nose on there. That's funny. Yeah, but anyway, like I said, if you want to check it out, it's there in the show notes. Uh, but hey, like I said, like Agent Seven said, we are mere days away, two days away to be specific. Uh, last but not least, which also could have been Agent uh, Seventies, but also mine's uh, Fast and Furious Ten release date delayed to summer twenty twenty three, but it's still going to be about family. Hmm. Um. So yeah. Uh, release date's been delayed six weeks. It was supposed to be uh, April 7th, 2023. It's now going to be on May 19th, 2023. Uh, Universal hasn't given a reason for it, but it's closer to Memorial Day weekend with Cha-Ching. So that also could possibly be... (laughs) Given how well the last one did for them, the savior of movies, um... I, I guess I guess there's another reason for that. So yeah, that's I think that's pretty much it. I think they start filming like sometime early next year. Uh, if this uh, the, this article says something, but that is it for the cinematic news. We're gonna go into the um, comic book news. Uh, Transformers: Beast Wars may have rewritten the show's past in a huge way. Um, and so yeah, Beast Wars ten, which I can't remember if I've read already, and I think that's already, that may or may not be already out. I know there was a recent one, but I may not have read it. So uh, the Maximals were attacking the Predacons head on over the Golden Disc. That is part of the show, um, an item they had no knowledge for most of the show's run, which is true. Uh, this jump to a major season two plot point con- uh, showcases that the series may be moving away from strictly aligning with the show's broad continuity and doing its own thing, which they've already kind of done that by various things they've done. So that's not a big surprise, but yeah, I guess that revelation that the golden, that the Maximals find out about the golden disc, which if you, if you know about beast Wars, that means something to you. If you don't, then it's just a bunch of blobbity blobbity. So yeah, there's that is a thing. Uh, but next up, uh, this is a tough story. I'm not going to read through the whole yeah. thing because it is rather lengthy, but it's an important story to read. It's about uh, 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 you know this was a, a story shared a few weeks back um, on the 80th anniversary of the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Um, legendary GI Joe writer and former Marvel editor Larry Hama shared. Uh, uh, a chilling and rough piece of Marvel history related to longtime Marvel staffer Morris Mori Kuramoto and how Kuramoto was treated every year on December 7th and why it should shape how we all view our own privilege. So it's worth taking a look at this. Yep, and you can check it out in the show notes for this episode. Uh, next up, we already kind of talked about this, so we can kind of brush past this, but yeah, Strange uh, Academy visited uh, Age of Apocalypse. Like I said, we already talked about it. So moving along... The X-Men's Hellfire Trading Company 
will be heading into Uncharted Waters for a new Marauder series in 2022. Marvel Comics has announced that it will be relaunching Marauders with a new creative team, welcoming aboard writer Steve Orlando and artist Eleonora Carlini. The relaunch series is part of the Destiny of X wave of titles, which will be reshaping the landscape of X-Men. In the case of Marauders, Captain Cape Pride will take on additional crewmates, including a mystery mutant, as she tries to unravel a mystery two billion years in the making. Okay. I may jump off Marauders as a pull list book. We'll see. I, I, I'll probably, at the very least, check out the first couple of episodes. I'm not, you know, I'm kind of in and out from Stephen, Steve Orlando's writing, so I don't know. We'll see what, what, what they set up. But we'll get there when we get there. Um... Captain Carter is a hero out of time in new comic series. Uh, prolific creator Jamie McKelvey is known for... Well, we're not going to get into that. But basically, Jamie McKelvey and uh, Marika Cresta um, are the creative team for a new five-issue limited series uh, based around... Or, excuse me, not based around, but uh, having to do with Captain Carter, a.k.a. Peggy, uh, Peggy Carter, uh, Captain... Britain, well, not Captain Britain, but she's called Captain Carter, but that's basically a Spider-Gwen situation. <laughs> but she's Captain America, or Captain Britain, whichever one you choose in, in that context. Uh, because she has the mantle of Captain America and the shield, and but you know, Brit- British flag and all that. So this thing will introduce Captain Carter in an adventure that will find Peggy Carter as a woman out of time, facing the reappearance of an old foe in the modern day, and deciding what she stands for as the wielder of the shield. No doubt coming off of one, one what if? Uh, and I believe there's a little teaser trailer attached to this, this thing. Um, so, yeah. And uh, some art. Let's see. It goes on sale March 9th of next year. And like I said, 105. So, there you go. Fans of uh, Peggy Carter rejoice. Next. Marvel Comics' new Wastelanders titles return readers to the world of Old Man Logan. And uh, we find out that the newly adopted child of Logan has a pretty disgusting appetite. Uh, picking up right after, uh, blah 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 blah. Picking up right after Wolverine, Old Man Logan, Giant Size Number One. Logan now cares for the grandson of Bruce Banner, aka the Hulk, who has a problem with food and partakes in cannibalism because that's just the way the Hulk Hulk's role in that Old Man Logan uh, reality. Right, and I believe this is like a, probably a prequel to the the event, the Avengers of the Wasteland thing. But you know that whole Wasteland, that whole Old Man Logan uh, era is is kind of weird. Though mm-hmm. Wolverine is at the center of the transition in the up incoming X Men era, Destiny of X with lives and deaths of Wolverine. I think we kind of talked about this a little bit, so don't necessarily have to go too far into it. But um, they're basically doing a hot box in a way with um with Wolverine because there's the X lives of Wolverine and the X and the X deaths of Wolverine and they're both coming together as twin five issue miniseries um that are woven together. Uh, apparently there's a key mutant figure that is also uh, gonna be involved in this. Um and Wolverine will be traveling to time through time it looks like. So stay tuned for that I guess. Next Next up, um, in March of 22, uh, Chris Claremont is going to return to the X-Men franchise along with artist Sid Cotian, 
to a new title starring Gambit. No further details of the new Gambit title's plot has been revealed, but the series is scheduled to kick off just as the X-Men line is entering its upcoming Destiny of X era in March and April. Okay. Gambit fans rejoice. Um, this was, I don't know if you saw this ahead of time, but Marvel Comics uh, overhauls digital redemption program, which seems like some old news that we've heard before. And I guess it kind of is, but gets rid of sticker covered codes. So yeah. So folks that end to know you get your physical copy of Marvel comics, uh, somewhere in the middle of the book is a page that has digital code that you can redeem for a digital copy of said same issue. Uh, which wasn't always like that, by the way. But nevertheless, so they're revamping it again. So it says here that readers were, I guess, age of 70 is looking for his copy. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to pull mine out now. So I'm just going to put myself on mute real quick. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so readers were taking them back this week when Marvel's new releases did not include the traditional stickers in them that can be re- removed to reveal a special code that can be re- uh, that can redeem the digital copy of the book, like I just said, uh, in the Marvel Comics app. Uh, someone inquired with Marvel as to whether it was a simple printing error. A Marvel representative revealed that it was not and also explained that it's not a mis- uh, misprint, but a process update. Please follow the instructions on that code page. Uh, they will tell you step-by-step how to get codes for your comics and any other details you need to know. Thanks. According to this representative, I guess. So, yeah. So I guess they're, they're, they're basically changing it again. Uh, as to how the codes are going to be redeemed. Um, I haven't bought a physical book in, in, in a good minute, so I haven't actually seen <laughs> said things. So, but yeah, like I said, this is a change. Looking uh, it up as we speak. Yeah. I'm flipping through this week's... Uh... Oh yeah, here it is. No sticker. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm flipping through this week's Strange Academy number 14, our click of the week. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so it has a go to marvel.com redeem help act now offer expires in two months, less than two months, which is not you know, normal. Exactly a month. Yeah. What's that? I said, which is not normal because I believe those codes usually last a little bit longer than that, a lot longer than that. Right. This expires February 1st, 2022. So we're talking uh, all of January and only a portion of December. Right. And, you know, that's it's less than two months. You follow the on-screen instructions and fill out the form. Once your request has been confirmed, our redemption code will be emailed to you. After you receive the code in your email, you go to uh, marvel.com forward slash redeem and follow the on-screen redemption instructions. And then you launch the Marvel Comics app and check out your new digital comic under the My Comics tab. Hmm. Which I feel like there's... There- there's a, there could have been a different way to handle part of that. But, hey, there you go. So you, uh, Agent 70 can let us know if that works out. Uh, yeah, I never go with, I never do that. Huh. I used to do it all the time. It was slightly of a pain, but shit, I, was like, I wanted my digital copies because that's how I read them anyway. <laughs> and just socked my, my, my physicals away. Right. So, anyway, uh, next up. Uh, a new Alex Ross, Alex Ross, Fantastic Four comic, is coming from Marvel and Abrams. Who's Abrams? I think it's a publishing company. In the build-up to blah 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 blah, 
Blah, blah, blah, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, in 2022, uh, we're going to get Fantastic Four Full Circle, a large format graphic novel produced by Marvel Arts, new par- par- a new partnership between Marvel and Abrams Comic Arts. In a press release about Full Circle, Abrams described the comic as the Fantastic Four story Alex Ross has been wanting to tell for years, and visually it is one of the greatest artistic experiments he's attempted, which is saying something uh, given his body of work. Uh, okay, this might be interesting. Yeah, maybe. I guess it's so. I guess it's Marvels, but for Fantastic Four. I guess. Yeah, uh, a nearly forgotten unpublished Spider-Man comic has found its way online. So we never did. We didn't talk about this when this was released. But uh, the short story is there was that um, is a uh, how to draw comics the uh, the Marvel Way book from Eons Past. But there's also another one that came out, uh, I guess, more recently called How yeah, to Read. Out, yeah, it was How to Read. Yes, How to Read comics the Marvel mm-hmm. way. And I know we got re- review copies of this, but I never did look, kind of look into them. Um, it says the four-issue series uh, landed on both Comixology and the Marvel Unlimited reading service in late November, early December, without much fanfare or any Marvel pub- publicity marketing. But I feel like we... We might have mentioned it, but regardless. Um, yeah, we mentioned it, but I think what ended up happening is that it got, kind of got lost in some of the COVID rescheduling. Right. And, yeah, as this article says, uh, it was originally planned to debut April 15th, 2020, but because of COVID, you know, the the things shuffled it. So it's out there uh, if you uh, plan to want to check that out. Because, you know. But, yeah, apparently there's a Spidey story in there somewhere. Or uh, oh yeah, because I do. I re- actually do. I remember reading like the first couple of pages, and I was like, "Yeah, this is something I'll come back because I got other things to do." <laughs> but it does definitely start out as a, a Spidey story, but it kind of breaks through the fourth. You know, uh, it breaks the fourth wall at the same time in a way. So you know, like I said, you can check that out. Next up, though. Next, uh, Marvel Comics has enlisted cartoonist Jim Rugg to tackle Hulk Grand Design, the latest in Marvel's series of retellings of classic characters' lives through a modern lens. As with cartoonist Ed Piscor's X-Men Grand Design and its follow-up Fantastic Four Grand Design from Tom Scioli, Hulk Grand Design goes all the way back to the Hulk's origin, revisiting the entirety of the events of the original Incredible Hulk title. From 62 to its conclusion in 99 as a single concise narrative. Hulk was the first comic character I liked. Writer artist Jim Rugg tells the beat who broke the news of Hulk Grand Design. Have we had Ed Piscor on the show or am I, or am I tripping? No, we never did. It's just that I, 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 uh, I talked to him and I, I, have and, uh, I, I mentioned um, uh, my conversation with him, but we never had him on the show. Gotcha. I don't know. I've, I've, yeah. I feel like that's something we would have done. Um, Anyway, Dr. Octopus is back, uh, and she's got a grudge against Ben Riley's Spider-Man. Oh, look, it's not Liv. Um, it is Carolyn Trainer, the second comic book Dr. Octopus, and she's returning to Marvel Comics in 2022. Uh, Wait a second. Who? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Trainer returns in March 16th, Ben Riley Spider-Man number three to face off against Ben Riley Spider-Man. So I won't be reading this in an untold tale from the nineties written by her co-creator, J.M. DeMatteis and drawn by David Baldion. So you, at least you know the art is going to be good. I mean, the, I mean, J.M. DeMatteis, you know, I'm not su- su- suggesting otherwise up there either, but, uh, right. So, so this is in the Ben Riley book, right? Right. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm probably not going to read it either. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. It is, but it is what it is. So, Carolyn Trainer was created in 1995's Amazing Spider-Man 4 or 5, blah, 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 uh, following the death of Octo- Octavius during the Clone Saga, uh, Lady Octopus, which probably uh, informed Liv Octavius from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, more likely. So, yeah, that's the thing, and if you are of that mind and, and era... Have at it when that happens. Next up. Oh, I kind of remember this Carolyn Trainer looking Dr. Octopus now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she definitely fought with Ben Riley, the stupid Scarlet Spider costume back in the day. I remember this cover. Mm-hmm. Next up, though. Yeah, this is in my, my, my let's ignore everything uh, uh, fake Spider-Man on the stands <laughs> period of comic collecting. Indeed. All right. Let's see. Uh, blah, blah. So is it Venom's co-creator? Yes. Marvel announced a brand new Venom series called Venom Lethal Protector, written by Venom co-creator David, David Michelini. That's set near the time of Venom's first miniseries, which was also written by Michelini or Mike, Michel, uh, whatever. The new series is drawn by Ivan Fiorelli. The new five-issue limited series will debut in March 2022, and it follows in the footsteps of other recent Marvel projects that have revisited past classic stories using the original creators. Okay. Right, a.k.a. new old new old stories. <laughs> right. Uh, Marvel announced next comic in the Ultraman franchise. Um, last year, Marvel Comics began publishing a line of Ultraman comic books. You should know this if you've uh, been been a part of this program because I've talked about them. Uh, so no surprise, there's a new series coming up uh, written by the same creative team, looks like. Uh, Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom, who wrote the previous entries in the Ultraman Man line. Uh, the Mysteries of Ultra 7 is also part of a global expansion of the Ultraman brand. Uh, so yeah, look forward to that. It is going to basically continue the story of the TV show of the same, of a similar name and uh, which I kind of figured cause it, that's where it seemed like it was going. Uh, let's see. Will it will debut in summer of 2022. Cause like I said, Marvel has the Ultraman license. So there you go. Next. Ah, <sighs> Well, we can do this. Spider-Man and Hulk's official comic printed on toilet paper resurfaces. Why is this not clickbait? A curious promotional item from Marvel Comics' past featuring Spider-Man and the Hulk has recently caught the attention of fans. An exclusive adventure only ever printed on toilet paper has made waves online over the ridiculousness of the promotion. The two Marvel heroes have had multiple team-ups over their long history together, but what exactly awaited them? Hey, uh, this was created in 1979. Uh, by the O'Don Company, uh, editor-in-chief Jim Shooter at Marvel uh, uh, went a step further in producing an official Marvel toilet paper and directed Jim Salakrup and Michael Higgins to create an eight-page story with Marie Severin on art. The story was titled The Gamma Gambit, and the short comic was a fairly basic crossover of the two heroes on toilet paper. Good Lord. And now it's, I believe, uh, available or soon to be available, not on toilet paper. Okay, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, by the way, did you did you read that last uh, Marauders issue? By chance? Don't remember. Okay, 
Moving right along, X-23 and the Honey Badger are coming to Marvel Crisis Protocol. Because I meant to ask you about that, but no, whatever. Uh, Atomic Mass Games has released an official image showing off X-23 and Honey Badger. The characters will be coming to Marvel Crisis Protocol, which I believe is a board game, uh, sometime in 2022. Uh, it's a miniatures game, actually. So there you go. Next. Right, so uh, some minor spoilers came out in the Hasbro release of... Uh, Marvel Legends like Fan Friday this past Friday uh, and they released some Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness toys and the Marvel the movies Marvel Legends action figures include the first look at America Chavez too mm-hmm. so it's funny that uh, I think I saw um, some of the, the teases of these figures before you know, it wasn't a fan first Friday because it was before Friday because I, I, I had to have seen it before I went to uh, no way home because when I saw some uh, some stuff, I was like, "Oh, look, there it is, uh, America Chavez." I've already seen this. Mm-hmm. Was it? Because sometimes they do a Wednesday fan of Hasbro thing, right? I think it was Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, it was a Wednesday thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a, I'm going through this uh, thing as uh, Agent Seventy is talking about it. Right. So yeah, I mean, you'll see a Doctor Strange. You know, this is like the newly revamped Doctor Strange for uh, the Multiverse of Madness. You see Wong uh, in his first Marvel Legends figure. We see an astral form Doctor Strange. Uh, we also see an America Chavez. This is our first full look at her, in- including her whole costume. We have the latest version of Baron Mordo, or now called Master Mordo. Uh, and uh, it looks like the Build-A-Figure is Rintra. Uh, <laughs> fans of the Doctor Strange book will recognize this character. He is definitely a, 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 a deep cut, but uh, if you have read any Doctor Strange, you will probably recognize Rintra. Yes. Um, there is this is a Target exclusive Defender Strange with the uh, the the portal thing. The it's you know it's funny because they make this pricer because it's an exclusive, and you're basically paying for that portal thing. But if you really want to reenact that portal scene from Endgame, you may need to buy a bunch of these suckers. Um, you also get a Sleepwalker figure. So, are any fans of Sleepwalker out there? Sleepwalker, what the fuck? <laughs> Sleepwalker has a Marvel Legends figure. Yeah, um, as well as Despair, who won a fan poll. Fans, yeah. I don't know what y'all are voting for. Yeah. Um, you know, can we get a six-inch scale lockjaw, please? Seriously. Sleepwalker in despair, and I guess we got rated, but I don't know if it's a real rate, so I'm not going to call it out. Um, yeah. But thank you for folks that came through uh, as we're nearing the end of the, the show. But yeah, so Sleepwalker, that's crazy. Uh, also worth a note in that series, um, or in that series of images, or at least not in that series of images, apparently Wong, Wong gets a sword, because he's getting he's got magic effects, but he also got a sword. Uh, mm. Uh, which you can see in uh, the the images I have up. Sleepwalker was one of my faves growing up. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So we got some Sleepwalker fans in the audience. <laughs> and thank you for coming through uh, with the raid. So appreciate it. Um. Anyway, uh, move right along though. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy game is getting its own Adidas shoe collection. Why? I have no idea. Uh, you know, what? I don't even care. Um, but yeah, so there's the shoes. There goes, there's going to be shoes. Yes. I'm not dealing with this ad blocker thing. Um, I don't, 
it's not that serious. But yeah, the they don't look that great of shoes anyway. So it is what it is. But if you like that Godless of the Galaxy game, which I'm hearing pretty good, uh, um, then hey, go for it. And yeah, chat, Automod's uh, uh, Automod is ruthless, so you know, be 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 careful out there. Next up, though, Marvel celebrates Free Comic Book Day 2022 with three titles. On May 7th, pick up Free Comic Book Day Avengers X-Men, Free Comic Book Day Spider-Man Venom, and Free Comic Book Day Marvel's Voices at your local participating comic shop. That is, again, on May 7th. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Free Comic Book Day, uh, Funko and Diamond Select Toys announces Free Comic Book Day 2022 merchandise. Um, So, yeah, we see some some Funko uh, busts from The Mandalorian... There's Moth Gideon and looks like Boba Fett. Um, I think that's it that they're showing here. But there's some other stuff that this article kind of goes into. So, But you can check it out in the article in the show notes. Next up. The Expanse, a Telltale series announced with a greedy trailer. Telltale Games has revealed a short trailer for its latest project, The Expanse, a Telltale series. Unveiled during the Game Awards 2021, the trailer was released on the Telltale YouTube channel, revealing that the company will be working on the game with Deck Nine, the developers behind Life is Strange, spinoffs Before the Storm and True Colors, the production company behind The Expanse TV series, Alcon Entertainment, will also be involved. So, yeah, it is kind of curious that Telltale is back after the issues they had a few years ago. But, hey, an Expanse Telltale, um, Telltale uh, video game, I'm down for because I love that show. And I need to catch up with the series. Um, next up, though, hey, there was a free Matrix, quote unquote, game uh, that came out during the Game Awards. Uh, Keanu Reeves and, and Carrie Ann Moss was there on hand to kind of introduce this thing. Um, and to 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 mention that there's a uh, there's a, a video here in the show notes that you can check out uh, for yourself. I have not had a chance to check in this out, but obviously this is like a kind of a prequel thing to mess around with before the Matrix uh, Resurrections comes out in a couple of days. It's called the Matrix Awaken. Like it's less of a game than more feels like a tech demo for Unreal Engine Five. Not to say it's not good, and not saying you couldn't do anything with it. But, you know, it's it's interesting. It, it looks good from what I've seen, but I haven't had the chance to mess with it. Uh, but And I keep saying I am going to. But uh, if you have a PS5 or Xbox Series X and you haven't checked it out already, go check it out because it's out there. Um, I'm going to take these next couple, if you don't mind, because I know Thank you're, you. you're less video game inclined. Uh, speaking of Telltale developers... It some, would have been filled with lots of blobbity blahs and yakety schmackities. Yes. Uh, some former Telltale developers are making a Star Trek game, which kind of perked my ears up. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, well, maybe some pun, pun intended. Who knows? But uh, shortly after Telltale Games announced uh, the game based on Expanse, we were just talked to at the Game Awards. Uh, we found out that a group of former Telltale employees, and we will not talk about the drama behind that whole situation, but uh, announced they too were uh, making a interactive, making a game based off of Star Trek, which is likely to be Telltale-ish also. Uh, if you know about the Telltale style of uh, video games, it's kind of like a, I don't even want to say a visual novel because it's more interactive than that, but um, nevertheless. I loved uh, Telltale's uh, game, so 
if they can kind of come back in some form would be great without all that other baggage that had them break up uh, break off in the first place which was kind of terrible um but anyway so yeah they're doing a star trek game it's called star trek resurgence um and it looks like the spock leonard nimori version of spock may be um in the game or the likeness is in the game we don't necessarily know too much about it but it looks like spring 2022 on the epic game store uh and xboxes and playstations so you can check that out if you're an um, curious. There's also uh, Star Wars Eclipse, which is a multi-character narrative-deriving game set in the High Republic. That is also coming, being developed by Quantum Dreams. There is issues on that part because there has been some, let's say, issues with uh, folks. Well, with within uh, work practices and some issues with the head of Quantum Dreams. So that's kind of putting a kind of putting a downer on uh this particular thing uh plus if you've ever played any quantum dreams games uh, i don't know i don't know how to feel about this uh just in general even with outside of that but yes so star wars eclipse is going to be a new game that's coming set in the high republic which we knew a high republic game was going to be coming at some point there's an official website um and it's i think it's supposedly and this article also goes into the the issues that had happened that had, was um, going on and quantum dreams, which includes sexism, homophobia, inappropriate behavior. This, the stuff that's been going around in video game developing, developing as of late. Uh, next up. Uh, oh, wait. No, actually, you take this one because we're pretty much done with uh, the video game block. You're muted, I believe. I'm kind of curious about the story because they're saying that uh, the creator of Transformers, Henry Orenstein, passed away at 98 years old, but that doesn't sound very Japanese. <laughs> so did he come up with the concept of the Transformers characters because Wait. the toys were Japanese? So did you not did you not um, watch the, the toys that made us? I don't remember this part. It's t- I'm tired, so yeah, I do so, I do remember seeing the Transformers Toys Have Made Us, so, but I don't recall all, everything. Right. So basically, you're right, but at the same time, I believe we're talking about the American version of Transformers in this case. Right. That's yes. what I figured. Like he created the American characters that went with the Japanese toys. Right. But even then, there's some contention with that. If you've watched the Toys That Made Us on uh, on Netflix about the Transformers, it kind of goes into it. We won't because I don't also remember. But there was there was some contention as to who actually did what in the creation of mm-hmm. the transformation. It definitely was Japanese because it's toy. Um, but there yeah, pre-existed the Transformers character. Right. But then, well, basically it started off there, came to America, they did the Transformers thing and then ended up going back over to Japan and still continue to go on uh, mm-hmm. type situation. Like I said, that's the, the very loose short, short, short straw of this. Um, but yeah, so Henry Orenstein, who had some hand in this, um, uh, on, on this side, that at, for the Hasbro side of this, and again, there's still contentions about that. Even if you watch that thing, but anyway, regardless, hey, someone who had uh, had a hand in bringing us uh, some very popular stories because I love me some Transformers um, mm-hmm. has passed away. So condolences to his family. Uh, but next up. Uh, Godzilla and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers meet for the first time in crossover comic series from IDW. Uh, 
it was bound to happen. Um, so Toho International and IDW are partnering up with Boom um, Studios and Hasbro. That's a lot of hands in the pot. Um, announces to, uh, that an all-new five-issue comic book series, Godzilla vs. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, bring, uh, brings together two Titanic franchises for the first time. I know Agent 70 is a big fan of Godzilla. I, myself, a big fan of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers to a point, and also slightly Godzilla. Don't know if you'll be... Wa- there you go. Let them fight. Um, <laughs> launching in March 2022, this monthly miniseries will be a collaboration between two of the comic industry's most exciting talents, uh, writer Cullen Bunn and artist Freddie Williams II, who I believe has done some of these crossover um, before, so I, I recognize that name. Uh, and then it goes into uh, what the premise of this miniseries is going to be about. So you can read that in the show notes if you are so inclined. I'm pretty sure there's probably going to be some toys involved also, so go figure. Next up. We're in the uh, the rollover, the spillover page. Warner Brothers announced an open-world Wonder Woman game at the Game Awards. It's being made by Monolith, a studio behind Fear, and the Middle-Earth Shadow of Mortar series. One, Warner Brothers says the single-player open-world action game will introduce an original story set in the DC Universe and allow players to become... Diana of Themyscira in the fight to unite her Amazon family and Jeff Bezos and the humans from the modern world. Powered by the Nemesis system, gamers will forge deep connections with both enemies and allies and Star Trek as they progress from a heroic fighter into a proven leader. Star Trek? Star Trek Nemesis. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Very good. Um... Uh, and yeah, I should have moved this because this should have been in the video game block, but whatever. Uh, look, if you play Shadow of Mordor, it's a great game, and the Nemesis series is cool, so I'm kind of curious as to what they're going to do with this with Wonder Woman. Uh, next up, though, let's see. So, so Squad, Squad Kill the Justice League unleashes gameplay trailer at the Game Awards. Um, so yeah, more gameplay for that new Suicide Squad, uh, that the... Uh, Nusazot Squad game made by Rocksteady Studios, makers of uh, Arkham, these Arkham Asylum games. Um, you can go check it out. Like I said, there's just more footage there. I believe uh, I was watching the Game Awards and there was an intro by uh, Deborah Wilson, uh, formerly of Mad TV, who plays Emmanuel, um, Amanda Walla in this um, video game. And that was uh, amusing enough in itself before they played the trailer. So, like it, you can check it out on your own accords. Uh, but it looks good. I'm kind of interested in what this, whatever this game is going to be. Next, ah, in uh, appropriately timed news, Naomi returns to the pages of her own series to uncover the truth behind the new mysteries around herself and her powers, featuring the original creative team behind the critically acclaimed and Eisner Award nominated debut series of Brian Michael Bendis, David F. Walker, and Jamal Campbell. Naomi Season 2, Number 1, will be available at local comic book stores and digital retailers on March 8th, 2022. So, I still haven't read the first one, and I guess I should rectify that before that um, the, the TV series. Uh, the Flash's Rogues are getting their own DC Black Label series. Uh, so, yeah. It's going to be called the uh, Superior Road. No, I'm just kidding. Um, just kidding, folks. Um, DC announced has announced Rogues, 
a four-issue prestige format miniseries that will be published. And honestly, the only people who will get that joke will, you know, are <laughs> Superior Foes uh, fans. Mm. Um, but four-issue prestige format miniseries that will be published under the Black Label imprint. It's due out in March. Uh, the the title team's longtime Flash writer Joshua Williamson with basket full of heads artist Leo Max for the Rogue's final desperate attempt to hit the big time. Um, and because it's a black label issue, I'm sure there will be uh, um, a little harder, I guess, uh, in, in tone. But we shall see. Uh, it goes on sale March 22nd, 2022. So if you're a fan of the Rogue's, uh, you can check that out. Last but not least... Last but not least, the world of Ahoy Comics is the Wrong Earth franchise is expanding with a new event storyline. Starting in March, the Wrong Earth will open up with a series of five one-shots that expand the multiverse of the series and new tales from some of comics' top talents, including Gail Simone, Mark Wade, Mark Russell, and Stuart Moore. Each of the world's shattering adventures will be 25 pages long and self-contained, contributing to a larger narrative that spills out of the pages of the core Wrong Earth series. Additionally, these issues will feature main covers by original Wrong Earth artist Jamal Eigel and alternate by Gene Ha and variants by talents such as Dan Parent and Jerry Ordway. Okay, and yes, uh, there was uh, there was some. Well, we'll get to that next week, probably. But I think there was something I forgot to pull. But nevertheless, it will be pressing still. Then, then not. That being said, we come to the end of another episode of the Combo Chronicles. One last ad read, please, sir. Our last ad read of the night. You know what I read when it's late and I'm tired. Keep our <laughs> podcast free by shopping at Amazon. It's almost Christmas, people. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, etc., or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today, please. And holy hell, we made it to another episode of this shit show because we had some technical difficulties early in the show. So, oh, for real? Yes. So thanks for that. Luckily, it was early enough. We just restart. Anyway, none of you know this. Wouldn't know that if I had not said anything. Uh, that being said, uh, we will be back next week. Uh, same bad time, same trap on the channel. And yes, I'm about to do the spiel. So, my name is Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. I was about to say, technically not the same bad time for this week because uh, this upcoming week, we're going to be back at our regularly scheduled day and time. This is true. And yeah, I will probably repeat that anyway. So, this just as well. Um, and that has been Agent 70, who you can find on Twitter and Instagram. Um, our uh, absent hosts, uh, PC in, uh, PC Unscared Dirt. Uh, you can find him at PC Unscared Dirt on Twitter. You can find him at Pop Culture Net on Twitter. You can find him at popculturenetwork.com and his umbrella site therein. Um, excuse me, TM DOGG98, the Osiris of this ish. You can find him at Tim DOGG98 on Twitter. You can find him at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles Twitter account. You can also find him at the Click Nation on Twitter. That's the K L I Q N A T I O N. Uh, 
Uh, but you can also find him at comicbook.com where he's over there writing his face off. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find us on your podcast for a place of choice, whether it be, um, I should make a command for that, actually. I think I did. Anyway, um, you, on uh, your podcast for a place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can find us recording, like I just suddenly said, every Thursday night normally, um, Thursday nights, 9.30-ish p.m. on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation, spelled the same way as previously uh, mentioned. And uh, twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and hit the notification button. Yes, and thank you for the folks that have rated us during the recording and uh, the folks that stuck around uh, and or lurked or what have you um, in the during the program. Uh, like I said, we will be back in a few days for the for the next episode, uh, the the pre Christmas shenanigans. <laughs> so with that, folks, this has been the Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. Peace out to Brooklyn. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe?